the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Come join us while we play musical microphones. It's always something every morning, I'm telling you. And we try really hard to be prepared, but we just get here and start talking. I mean, we're, we've been sitting here about for... The, the gardening, you know, what's happened. Sitting here talking about how you just got your heat back around yeah. your houseplants. Yes, yes, at work. Seven days, wow. Yeah, yeah. We mm. did get the lights on by the generator on five days, four days after they had set in the dark for four days and no heat. But we kept checking it, and it never got below 45. Well, that's outstanding. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the, the night Ooh. after it went out, it dropped down to, what, 17 or 18 yeah. degrees. So luckily there was the heat already yeah. in there. So, you know, Veda's yeah. got all these houseplants, and those are her little babies. So she's at home thinking... There's got to be something I can do, yeah. you know. But nope. What do you do? Right. You don't have any power. I, you yeah. know, I've been this in this business so long. I've seen this happen. Uh, Charlie Bayless, that used to, you know, who started Bayless mm-hmm. Greenhouse years ago. Yeah, back in '94 when we had that <laughs> serious ice storm. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they couldn't. The roads were icy. They couldn't get the propane trucks to his house mm. uh, to refill his tanks. For the greenhouses. Yeah, so the only way he could get the pressure up, he he built a fire underneath the propane tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to build the pressure up you to get propane real. into the wow. heaters. So wow. that's, a, that's a gutsy move there. Yeah, that's, that's almost like desperation because that's a lot of stuff to lose. I mean, that he could, is, have, he could have had yeah. lift off at some point there, yeah. you know. I know that. Yeah, I was. we did have a small propane. Uh, tank in the building mm. at the when it started when I started getting worried it was going to get below 45 and it wasn't in the right place and I was going to scoot it scoot it over scoot it over and I thought you know I'm just a really clumsy person so I probably shouldn't pick the propane tank up with the burner on yeah, the top with a that makes sugar. yeah yeah <laughs> uh. I was like okay I'll just move the house plants away from it instead of moving it somewhere else so yeah I didn't want to be skyrocketed you know but air. it's to me you know we had a good bit of ice I mean this where we live you know we're not accustomed to ice anything you know yeah but it didn't. It didn't just seem like it was a major right. storm. And to, now, don't get me wrong. To a lot of people, it was major because mm-hmm. they did lose their power. And, their and a lot of them still out yeah. too. You know, is, which is yeah. unbelievable. And you know, ours. And I'm, you know, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but ours. You know, went out for a little while and it came back on and it flickered. You know, all day long. But you know, never really, really lost it. But I'm in a neighborhood where the neighborhood's only 19 or 20 years old. Okay. No big trees, no, really. No. And yeah. so it's not these old established, you know, Midtown and, mm-hmm. you know, East Memphis type neighborhoods, but you've got these and all your wires are underground, aren't they? They are. Mm-hmm. They are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and, but still, I mean, I did even then lose power a little while, but mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I, my heart goes out to the people that, you know, that lost power mm-hmm. and still haven't got power back. Yeah. You the know? MLG and W truck stopped. I was walking from one side of the where the nursery was across the street where the fountains are, and an MLG truck truck came up and he said, uh, "Which building you're in?" 
And uh, I told him that one over there, and it's yeah. running. And yeah. they're like, they're smiling. So we just got that working for you, yep. ma'am. <laughs> and I'm sure with everything they get working, they feel a little bit better, yeah. a little bit better. So hopefully Our thanks go out to all the yes. MLG and W workers for yeah. the extra hours and, and work they put in to get us recovered from this. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard I've seen a lot of complaints, you know, you know oh, and of yeah. course, you know, we're going to see that, but. I mean, those guys are out there in, in the elements trying to get this stuff going, and yeah. they're doing the best they and, can. Now, I do put some blame on the people that are pruning the trees. I know. That you know, is did so you see true. the article about where the tree trimmers were not going into some neighborhoods? Because every time they sent a crew in there, they were being robbed. No. Oh, and so they, wow. These contract contractor uh-huh. guys wouldn't go in there. Yeah. So, you know, that those areas have got limbs that haven't, <sighs> something like, I don't know. 4,000 miles or something of, of line that hasn't been oh. trimmed because they can't get people to go in there and cut them. That's, that's you oh know, gosh, I, I have no I, words for that. So. I know. You see, I have no words either. But, you know, with the ice all over the plants and everything again. Insulated then, them. Yeah, Gave we're them making again. Boy, we have been blessed last year and this year with the rain before and then the ice mm. or the snow encapsulating all the plants, which was uh, extra insulation. It's hard and to believe that ice will actually insulate a plant, know, right? It just no, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't because we're not wanting them to get really, really, really cold. So if the ice is around <clears throat> it. I had, Jim, my, I had my uh, go sister. Go into detail, Jim. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I just stopped because I was like, I, kn- I know you're no, going to. But to give you all some idea, if, if you weren't here during the 1994 ice storm, we had about four times as much ice. We did. We had about two inches of ice versus an in- a half inch in this storm. So you maybe can, have an edge. Yeah. yeah you, uh, you can get an idea of how much more damage. Uh, at one time, I heard that for. Uh, from the 94 storm, we were they were emptying 40 tractor trailer loads of debris every day mm-hmm. for mm. six months. Before 40 they caught tractor loads. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So a lot of people ended up converting their shade gardens to sun gardens. Exactly. <laughs> or, you could even mm. lo- you lose one big limb out of a tree and still... Affect your yeah, sun and affect shade. your garden, and yeah. that's one of the things I pointed out this this week uh, on our on our Facebook group, Mid South Gardening. If you're not a member, please join. Um, people were saying, you know, I've had all this damage, but I'm looking forward to the opportunity yeah. of doing some other things. Yeah. And that's what's really great about gardeners. And and what seems to be a disaster is really, you know, they look at it like an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, yay, you know, we can buy more plants. That's a great attitude. Make, lemon out of that, make lemonade out of that yeah. lemon, you know. Right. If you had politicians that thought that way, we'd be in good shape. Yeah, we would. Well, my, my <laughs> sister called me on the way home yesterday, and this happened across the city to so mm-hmm. many people. She's got some uh, evergreens that border her yeah. back property line. Uh, and these, I think these are either cryptomerias or Leland's. I'm not sure. They might be Leland Cypress. But they're not that big yet. I mean, they're, say, 10, 12 foot mm-hmm. tall. Well, of course, a couple of those things came right on down yes. to the ground with all that extra weight from the ice. And she was like, okay, Kenny, what should I do? I mean, she had somebody come over and get them back up. Mm-hmm. And they packed some dirt and some mulch back around that root zone because they didn't want any roots exposed. Um, and I asked her, you know, I said, now, did it just bend over and touch the ground, or did it really come down, you mm-hmm. know, root and all? She said, no, no, it came down. Some of the roots were exposed, like, you know, just fell over. 
So um, she said, should I use a root stimulator? And I mm-hmm. said, absolutely. You know, get you a root stimulator, mix it with water, saturate that root system. And I said, do it every two weeks until you you run out, you yeah. know. <laughs> Uh, if it's not raining, I'd water every week or so, mm-hmm. too. And, and like I told her, I said, now listen, I said, you know, you've done everything right. you got it back up. You've got the mulch and the soil back around the root zone. You're using a root stimulator. Uh, I said, you might not see really see any damage at all till it starts to get hot mm-hmm. this summer. Yeah. I said, but you better be aware. When it starts to get really hot and dry this summer, just like you just said, Jim, you make sure that you uh, make sure that that moisture is there to start with. Um and, you know, keep using your root stimulators, and let's just see what happens. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, a lot of this damage, you know, these things yeah. that, have, that have fallen over, you're not going to see any damage really for, say, potentially until it gets hot right, this summer. because mm-hmm. it's only ri- ripping one side of the root system. So the other side's still right. intact, still doing its normal stuff. And when you're standing it back up, then the uh, feeder roots and all that, some up, when they broke, some of them stayed in the soil on that's the outside. Right. So you still got the roots, just less. So that's why it will really work standing them up. Then the root stimulator and the watering, because think about it, you have just, it's almost like when you plant the tree before, uh, like out of the container. Right. The one side is just like taking it out of the container and the other side's good. But you know, if we wanted to get really detailed, would you just water the backside more than the front because the front's got never lost its uh, issues? But I mean, no, well, because, well, no, was, because I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say because you know you you don't want to overwater mm-hmm. this summer, uh, but like Jim was just saying, and we're just saying, Vader, you you want to just keep an eye on it and make sure that you have adequate moisture out there. And I would do it all uniform, honestly. Yeah, because you don't know where the other roots are. Yeah. Okay. They True. could be very close to where you're at actually pulled out. Right, because they don't just grow outward. <laughs> yeah, they're not, you know, they don't have a plan. They just yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, wherever that soil lets yeah. them go. Yeah. yeah, okay, so water evenly, root stimulator, compost, yeah. even compost for later um, effects of the fertilizer. And, yeah, I think it was just the arbovitas that fell over. And, and one thing that I that – I, asked her to make sure of is the people that pulled them back up and staked them up mm-hmm. um and she kind of found out that they they did it the right way you know they didn't have just a rope or a piece of wire yeah. <laughs> you know wrapped or just right around the trunk i mean they actually had a, a piece of rubber tubing that mm-hmm. they ran the rope or wire That's through awesome. that way you know when this when the thing when wind's blowing and it's moving it's not just carving a you know a yeah, you're gonna cut it a in half. Cut in it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, thank goodness, it, you know, it's back up. It's all done the right way, you know. And like I said, the roots are not exposed anymore. She's using the root mm-hmm. stimulator, and she knows to be aware. Yeah. This summer, when it gets hot, uh, you know, watch that moisture because we're going to see a good bit of that. I'm telling now, you. I've seen some areas like um, a lot of different, like a, a complex apartment complex mm. or other yards that that people rent from. And they don't stand them up. They just cut them straight down. Forget about it. You know, nobody stood them up where I saw. They just cut them down because they didn't want to. And my guys were recommending that, too, just because they were tired of trying to hold them up, get them wired up because they were ice on them. And we had to do it the day after because it was so heavy. It fell into our walkways. And so they're trying to stand them up with the ice on them and getting it. And one of the guys goes, can't we just cut them down? Man, and, <laughs> can't and what we a, just, I'm tired of holding this heavy thing up. 
And what about the pine trees? Those and I, and I love the look of pine trees. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I you know I guess I kind of grew up around them. Mm-hmm. But man, they. I mean, if you've got a pine tree and you get an ice storm, I mean, you're going to get damage on it. We had a grove of them behind our first house out in Bartlett on Red West had on the property, you know, back behind us, and there was hundreds of those pine trees. And starting about three o'clock in the morning, it sounded you like could shotgun hear yeah. blasts. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, as those tree limbs broke, and it's um, <clears throat> yeah, it's pines are not um, they're not really good plants for this transition zone that we're I agree. in. You know, further north where they do so well, or further south where they don't get freezing rain, they get snow or that. It, they're, it's much easier on them than it is here. We, we like to grow so many things that really don't you aren't think? suited for this area. <laughs> you think, you know? right. Well, yeah. like, you know, the, the arborvitaes, they're really mm. suited to a, a warmer cli- mm. uh, climate than we have here. Uh, where they're not likely to get that, you know. I, I wonder in our area, because of all the ups and downs, if we replace more things because of the ups and downs and oh, do yeah. more pruning and we get to buy more plants. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you gardeners out there just know that it's difficult and it's not all your fault. No. As much as we try to to do it, the weather absolutely is going to send a send a new type of weather too and, 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 and like jim just said and, and betty you've said before i mean we are in a transition zone here i mean mm-hmm. right here in the mid-south it's i mean we can grow some beautiful plants don't get me wrong but man i mean you can have the weather change on you in a dime mm-hmm. i mean it, and so it it's it's pretty tough it really yeah. is well heck yeah it's just think the, the, break? yeah we do do breaks well here, i also we? wanted to bring up when we get back guys <laughs> how important is it that we know a good arborist. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because not only the small evergreens that we've been talking about had damage, mm-hmm. but also we will get into it here, and I know y'all probably did last weekend. What do we need to do about our beautiful oak trees that had the damage up there? Do we just leave that jagged limb sticking out of the trunk, or do we need to get in there and do something about right. it? Yeah, we were definitely talking about all that type of pruning, and we need to go a break, and after the break, you'll hear more about what to do with your trees in the ice damage. Good morning, welcome back. Beta with Palladio. I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm the other guy. I'm Jim Crowder. <laughs> the other guy. Where did you come from? You're the other guy. Every morning, somehow, this person's here. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and, um, okay, so, y'all, <laughs> you can call us, 260-5926. You can stream us live right now, kwamradio.com. Mm-hmm. If you keep, you know, you can't help it. It's so early in the morning. But if you keep dozing, you know, if you really miss something important, then podcast. Yeah. And Got we also, podcast. you know, don't forget, you can download on your on your Android or your um, Apple uh, the KWM app. So there you oh, go. Yeah. There and you go. then Jim's Facebook page that yeah. he has for for the group of us, Mid-South Gardening. Check that out. It's fantastic. I actually had a little bit of time because we got an extra day off because of the weather. Mm. So I had time to play on Facebook. And my favorite one was our garden, our garden page. Heart. I know. And I actually posted some pictures. You did. They were good pictures yeah. of the ice. 
Yeah, so You'll it's have to a show me how to side. do that one of these days. It's yeah. really pretty. I mean, the ice, you know. Yes, I have an really nice awesome looking. picture I was going to show everybody. Yeah, especially at night, it. you know, when you have the um, the illumination, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's right pretty cool. Right when the sun's setting. Yeah, but you know oh, it's doing damage, man, it potentially, beautiful. but it is pretty. <laughs> so uh, the oak trees and the arborists. Well, but Jan uh, Childers, you know, one of our wonderful sweet mm. you know listeners um, Jan Farmer that's yeah. the farmer's wife which yeah. is Jamie <laughs> yeah, exactly she kind of texted in exactly what I'd written down you know with the um, you know with all the damage that we've seen on a lot of these trees uh, and some trees it was just two or three limbs that came out okay now a lot of dead wood came out but there were some limbs uh, of course that you know you typically wouldn't want falling out of your tree that did fall out but my, I guess my point is we're going to have a lot of jagged edges up there and rips and tears. Uh, and, you know, that's not the way you would ever want to cut a limb out of a tree. So I'm just wondering, uh, Jim and Veda, if we don't have an arborist or a tree trimmer or someone come out and really kind of clean these wounds. I mean, when I say clean it, make some good, fresh, clean cuts uh, where these limbs have come off uh, and you have nothing but jagged edges up there now. Is it a invitation for more problems down the road, diseases and so forth, if we're not doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Most important thing is get you an arborist out there. Now, if I'm telling you, if they operate out of a pickup truck, be a little bit leery. Yeah. You mean like with no trailer, no good? Because, I mean, I drove a pickup truck. If they're not licensed, bonded, and insured, and they come falling out of your tree, guess who gets to pay for Mm -hmm. that? So. That's uh, so crazy how that happens. Yeah. Get get somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, and even if you have to wait now two, three months, mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Relax. Don't yeah. panic. Just yeah. get on the waiting list. You, you know, you want them to get the hangers down that, you know, may fall at yeah. some other date. The hangers. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you want to you cut, you know. Well, you know, that sounds like not a big thing, but like at the Botanic Garden, mm-hmm. I mean, they have to do that very regularly, go around and look for hangers. You know, because yeah. you don't want one of them falling on on the know. public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, get the hangers down, get those cuts cleaned up so that they don't catch water uh, or an invitation for insects. If you can reach it yourself, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Remember, don't cut too close to the limb or the trunk that it's coming off of because yeah. there's a little collar of cells there that will heal over and seal that. Uh, don't put anything like tree paint it, on you're it. You're reading my mind. Do not. That's bad news. Um, what happens is that black heats up during the, the summertime, and you get the cells underneath that dying and then fermenting, and it just starts a heartwood rot problem. And you won't know it, uh, you know, until the tree falls over in the next ice storm, and it's hollowed out. <laughs> you know, and that's one of those things where, you know, way back when, anytime someone made a cut, even arborist. Uh, if they made a cut on a tree, they were sealing that cut. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. With, I don't care if it was tar or pruning sealer or shellac or Elmer's glue, something. Well, I was thinking a nurseryman invented that because then it, it rots the tree inside and now they can come buy another one. <laughs> yeah, it's just we didn't know that. Though, <laughs> right, yeah. we didn't know that. But, but and you made a point, too, Jim. Also, if you're doing your own cutting, don't cut it up. Don't cut your limbs flush to the trunk of right. the tree. You know, you need a two or three inch, you know, collar, like you said there, when you make your cut, because mm-hmm. it, it does die back some after you make the cut. Yeah, and an angle is good as yeah. well. Yeah, Slight yeah. angle where the water can yeah, run off. Yeah, very important, yeah. Good. Don't let it catch water. 
All right, so clean the trees up as best you can. If you can't do it, have an expert or an arborist come out there and, and clean at some point. Get these things, get the fresh cuts on them uh, where it's not jagged, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I, I maybe even an extra feeding this year, you know. Um, but I've mm-hmm. also seen where people come in there and butcher the trees, and all you have are these little limbets that are just sticking up everywhere. So, I mean, it is, it is an art to it. I mean, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. A knowledge to it. Yeah, but I was just so <laughs> concerned about, you know, just looking at these trees and these rips and these jagged edges like, man, that's going to be a problem if they don't get cleaned up at some yeah. point, you know. And then also planting trees that, are act- that actually work here. And we believe a lot of times that where we go to buy trees, mm-hmm. they're going to be fine. But some, I see people buying trees at box stores, trees that aren't even really aren't good here. suitable for this area. Right. Yeah. There is mm-hmm. an elm tree that I need to take a picture of it and see if anybody, if y'all can identify it, which I'm sure one of you can. But it's every time it ice storms or rains real hard, it kind of it doesn't split, but all the limbs in the middle and everything uh-huh. just sag down. So it's trying its best to split. It's trying, yeah. But then of course they did split this time, yeah. and that elm is fantastic. I love it, but you can't have that one because you're only gonna have half a tree, and then that half t- tree is gonna fall mm-hmm. off, and you don't like it bending over. It's just, but what is it? Well, you, know, you well, it's, it's kind of like you know. Remember when the Bradford pears mm-hmm. came out? Now, People thought it was the best tree in the world. It had beautiful white blooms in the spring. It grew up like mm-hmm. uh, kind of real pretty and tight like a tulip bloom. Yeah. Turned out. <laughs> but we're not. I'm not saying all elms. It's just this elm that I need to find out because most other elms do great. All right, let's run off to another break. Get your coffee, get your tea, and listen to me. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you want your questions answered, Mm -hmm. it's a couple of ways you can get your question out there. One is 260-5926. That's the easy way for me. That's the easy. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) 260-5926. Right. Just give us a call. Yeah. Otherwise, you can look at Facebook Live and you can post questions on that page too. And we'll definitely see them. And I know some of some of y'all have our phone numbers on our cell phones, mm-hmm. and you can send us pictures and uh, text on that, too, and we can help with your gardening questions. Otherwise, you're just going to have to listen to our experiences <laughs> and our arguing with each other and our agreeing with each other. Yeah. We don't argue, though. I mean, you know, all in all, it's all good, right? The, the we wor- have three different talents. Yeah. You know, three, three different, not talents, but uh, specialties, I would say. And then we cross over. What is it? 110 years worth of experience Something between all like three that. of yes. us. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm finished bragging. Two six zero five nine two six. Yeah, thanks for bragging about us, Miss yeah, 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 that was all about me. I don't know why. You oh, said well, you included us you. though. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. Okay. I had a lady come into the garden center yesterday, and and it made me think because let's say in the fall, if you plant pansies, right? Yeah. Some people only have pansies growing in containers. You know, mm-hmm. no bad, not bad at all. Some people have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pansies out there in beds mm-hmm. and around borders and so forth. Well, this is a young lady that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them out there, okay? 
So she's like, Kenny, you know, what do I need to do to my pansies? I mean, she, I understand we're in the wintertime. They're not going to look their best, but what can I do? And she did have some a, a help. She had someone helping her. They were out there deadheading uh, these kind of leggy-looking mm-hmm. pansies. They were pulling off a lot of the funky brown leaves. They were mm-hmm. cleaning them up to start Maybe with. Maybe printing back some of the long foliage. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Mm-hmm. And then I said, feed them. You know, feed those pansies. Because if you get four or five days like we had yesterday, they'll be in full bloom for you. Mm -hmm. And whether you're using a water-soluble plant food, um, you know, uh, or whether you're using bedding plant Mm -hmm. food. Plant tone. Exactly. Osmocote, whatever, just feed. Um, Yeah, I mean, get out there and feed those things. I mean, you know, we don't usually think about feeding, I don't, Mm -hmm. uh, pansies this time of year. But... There again, you know, you might have a week of good, Mm -hmm. mild, sunny weather, and that's all you need to get these things blooming again. Well, also, luckily, if someone used a lot of, well, most people are going to use a lot of good compost, um, a natural fertilizer, then it's already doing its processing in the soil Mm -hmm. now, which is allowing the plant to utilize the nutrients in the soil. So the temperature's got to be up some to make it start microorganisms, the ones that we have in the soil, uh, work, work quicker. Well, it, and then, but if you didn't do that, but you're wanting to give it a shot right. of fertilizer like a big espresso, then use, well, can, but, is Osmocote okay now or is it going to stay warm enough, long enough to break it down? Well, you know, Osmocote's okay. not going to really work. I mean, yeah. because it, it's regulated by soil temperature, um, but... Like you said, if you'd done it right to start with, Veda, you know, it, it wouldn't really be an issue um, yeah. because they're going to do their thing. But, uh, you know, even in, in her case, for example, she planted so many pansies. There's so many different beds that these pansies are in, and they're all a little different. Some of them hold a little more water than they maybe should. Some of them are a little more sun than mm-hmm. the other ones. So she's just doing every, anything and everything she possibly can to get these things to look the, the best they can. And one of the simple things to do, like I said, is go out there and, and feed these pansies. Mm-hmm. But who would have ever thought, you know, that you need to go out there and feed pansies this time of year? Uh, but I'm telling you, you really do if you haven't done it. <coughs> do you have pansies, Jim? I do not. I have. Didn't uh, I so. didn't plant any this year. <laughs> Last year I did. Planted a bunch of them, but mm-hmm. not this year. Well, Um, then you don't have to worry about a thing. Well, also, you can actually tell how bad your soil is by the way the pansies look when they start trying to flush out. I've seen pansies that's been in waterlogged soil, and they look horrible in the winter, and they don't really flush out because it was waterlogged. So it's normally not your pansy. It's the soil the pansies were in. Yeah, and and then also the ones that are in containers. You know, that the soil in that container generally heats up a lot faster than the soil that's in a bed. So you typically get, you know, a lot sooner blooms. Uh, in fact, I looked at... Uh, Last night when I got home, I've got a container in the back on a on a patio, uh, and Jim, those invaded those pansies. They look great. They're in full bloom. I'm telling you. A, a lot of people make the mistake of over mulching pansies too. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The, the soil temperature, like Veda was saying, needs to be up there for microbes to work. But our soil will heat up very quickly at the surface. Um, you know, in the top half inch or so where a significant number of the pansy roots are uh, right at the surface. So if the mulch is pulled back where the sun can get to the soil, you'll get those things really jumping faster than if you 
put mulch all around them thinking that you're protecting them. They're real cold hardy. Mm. So, you know, if you can pull the mulch back away from so them So you're keeping that, that layer of soil cooler, cooler Jim. Than, right. So you're doing really just the opposite. Exactly. So let the sun get to them. Uh, you know, like you're saying, feed them. I like to use, of course, you know, I, I want some immediate results, you know. Um, I like to use something like nitrate of soda to mm-hmm. get some pops from growth on them because certain types of nitrogen aren't available in cold soil, but the nitrate of soda is available. It doesn't matter what time, what yeah. temperature. Now, are you careful not to make sure, I'm sorry, but careful to make sure that the nitrate of soda granule doesn't get into the crown of the pansy. Yeah, you, you put know, it around the pansy. I put it around it, you know, and unless I'm lazy, then I broadcast over the right. top and then go back with a water hose yeah, and just wash it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so. the nitrate of, which one did you nitrate say? Of yeah, nitrate of soda. soda. That is in some natural fertilizers, but sometimes you have to go more. So even though like in plant tone, it's just got a little bit of everything. So it's when you're doing feeding, it's just giving it a balanced meal. But if you need more, then like Jim said, nitrate of soda and uh, that'll help them pop quicker. Yeah. And if you're using a water soluble plant food like Big Bloom, Tiger mm-hmm. Bloom, uh, some of these Fox Farm products, which are great, you just have to use them more often. But I'm just saying, you know, don't be discouraged if you see pansy beds out there right now. They just don't look their best. And like I was telling this young lady yesterday, they're just not going to look their best now. Mm -hmm. But she was trying to do anything and everything she possibly could to get them to look their best, knowing that their best days are coming, you know, this Mm -hmm. spring. You know, they look their absolute best when it's time to pull them out of the ground. I know. know. You know. That's another Mid-South problem. (sighs) They look beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I've got to take them out because I worked so hard to get them to that point. Uh, sometimes I take out some of the plants in the container, but leave the pansies. You know, I just, just come on, you can make it another month. And they do sometimes in June, up to oh, June yeah. I've had them. And, and, and what about when, we've talked about this before, guys, especially in containers. When y'all start pulling your pansies out of your mm-hmm. containers and you're ready to put your spring color or whatever back in there, are you rejuvenating your soil? Are you oh, adding please. new soil? Are you completely adding new soil? Yeah, um, I put new soil in the top and then chop it, chop it up, That's work exactly it in. That's exactly what I do. Uh, now, if your soil is really hard soil, kind of like if some of them use all sphagnum moss, is that the right one? Yeah. And it makes it hard and repel water. I have just dumped all the soil out, added a lot of compost with it, mixed it up real good, and put it in. But when you're constantly mixing good compost in your soil, it becomes where you, it's just awesome. Even earthworms, excuse me, get into your containers. So I don't want to dump all that out. But you have to add soil to add more nutrients back in. But it needs to be a compost. It doesn't really have to be a potting soil, just compost. Yeah, you know, of course, general stuff. What I found is over the years, the the soil breaks down into really small particles. Mm-hmm. And that's not really what I want in a container. So I usually, when I, I do the uh, pot I, the first year, you know, that soil will last about two years. Mm-hmm. Then I'll take half the soil out throw it in the garden somewhere, take the old soil, mix it up with some fresh in the mm-hmm. wheelbarrow, and then refill it. And try to do that about every two years. And, and usually that ends up with a good coarse mix that will drain well uh, and you get good root development. And you learn something when you take them out. 
take a look at the root ball when you pull them out. If it was confined to the top three or four inches of your soil, then you know that that it's too the particles are too fine. They're holding too much moisture in the bottom of that pot. If you've got roots developed all the way down to the bottom of the pot, that's a good soil. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Because then you can go a little bit longer without water because you have roots. Mm -hmm. That was one thing about using good compost because back in the day, nobody thought about the good compost in the container. And what do you do? Just just two or three handfuls of just good earthworm Mm -hmm. castings? Yeah, or even the cotton burr blend or any of that stuff. Yeah, some of the. Happy Frog or the Earth Mix, yeah. even they'll add that into it as well. Uh, but yeah, sometimes because sometimes it just gets so full of roots that you do have to dump all your yeah. soil yes. out, rake the roots, re re add um, fertilizers and uh, organic mulches. Jeez, why can't I think sometimes? Yeah, but, <laughs> like but, the soil, the fox farm, mm-hmm. the Earth Mix, and all that. You can mix that in. Well, and then Jim, and, and I will blame this on Jim. He okay. actually caused me and my sweet mother to get into an argument one day uh, when we, we were talking about containers and we were talking about, you know, putting, you know, five or six inches of pea gravel in the bottom of the pot and then putting your soil on top of that just to ensure that you have good drainage. And he started over here like, no, 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 that's not mm-hmm. what you want to do. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is because that's what I've always heard all my life. I do want to do that. Well, <laughs> but it's not a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and we, I, I would never forget, I was like, he is wrong. He is mm-hmm. dead wrong, right? Yeah. But the more I thought about it, especially after he slowly explained it to me, I was like, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. And my mother was listening to that show about not putting gravel in, well, some gravel, and we'll explain. We got into an argument in, our, in, mm-hmm. in my kitchen to this day. I never will forget. I was like, Mom, but you got to think about it. So I tried to explain it to my mom, like Jim explained it to me, and it did not work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, didn't work. Right. So when Jim, we're doing uh, terrariums and things, uh, and things, we're doing a bunch of planting glass jars. And so we'll do gravel at the bottom and soil at the top. So far, so good. Well, but know, I'm talking about if you've got like a 14-inch pot out there on, mm-hmm. sitting on your patio. And how many times, honestly, have we gone out there and put four or five inches of gravel in the bottom of that pot and then put our soil on top? And in theory, we're thinking that will improve the drainage or that will ensure that we have good drainage in this container. So I don't ever do it in containers that have holes in it. Uh, because you're already getting the drainage because it has holes in it. Yeah, but people it, have done that for years, uh, even yeah. if they have holes in oh, it. Yeah. They'll, they'll oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Including, yeah. and I'm raising yeah. my hand right here. <laughs> and, Jim, you're saying not so fast, well, though. Well, okay, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, okay, yeah. to, to put gravel in there, but it's not doing what you think it will. Efficiently? Yeah. It Instead of increasing your drainage, it decreases your drainage. Um, and, the, and the reason is, if you think about in the... The best way to look at this is if you'll take a sponge and put get under the put it under the kitchen sink, get it, hold it flat can in I your hand. Can I use the bathroom sink? Yeah, if you yeah. want to, <laughs> and get as much water in it as you can. Okay, and then just turn it up on the long edge, and you'll see water will drip mm-hmm. out of it. Yes. And the only thing that happened is you increase the depth of it. Then if you turn it up one more time, long ways, you get even more water to pull out. Yeah. And that's the reason, because the very bottom will hold 100% of the water it can, and then it'll stop dripping. That's but true. But all the way back mm-hmm. up the sponge, it gets drier and mm-hmm. drier and drier. So if that's your soil mass in a pot, 
you've got that wettest layer at the bottom. By putting gravel in there, all you're doing is moving it up higher you're in pushing the pot. That, you're pushing that wettest level up in and the pot. And then you don't have soil sticking out the top. What you're losing is the driest level at the top. Mm. So you actually, in, in the Japanese learn this with bonsai, the, the, the wider, the uh, shallower the pot, the slower it drains. So, you know, when... That's an important thing to, to remember. So it, I agree. I mean, now there are some times you want to put gravel in there. Like if you have a, um, like Veda's talking about, a glass container or something you're planting in a terrarium uh, that does not drain, if you'll put some gravel in there, it allows you to see the water in right, the bottom. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's kind of yeah. critical. The other time I put gravel in them is if you've got a, a very decorative pot or a nice big pot with plants in it and you don't want it to walk away at night, yeah, you put a couple of hundred pounds of gravel in the right, bottom. Right. right. But and now, but I have no problem putting a light layer at the very bottom of a container uh, and just to help keep the hole from getting plugged, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and then I know some people get like a coffee filter and lay that over the uh, hole before they put their soil in there. And that's you don't a good want the I- hole to plug. Right. You know? the good, uh, it is a good idea to cover that hole. I use screen or landscape mm-hmm. yeah. fabric usually. That helps keep the soil in. It also helps keep slugs and, and uh, rolling police yeah. from getting up in there and tunneling the soil out. Yeah. But so. this whole this whole thing about putting, you know, two or three inches of gravel in the bottom of a pot um, to improve the drainage is really kind of a misnomer, though. It's and, a it, myth. and I, to this day, I still haven't convinced my mother that. Yeah. You know, it that's the way myth, to do it. Unfortunately. Hmm. I know. But I'm still thinking about it. But there'll gonna... be people who put rock in the gravel. will swear by it, and they don't care what I. Uh, that's right. All yeah. right, we'll be back. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back. So um, we've had a lot of topics this morning and house plants, broken trees, uh, <laughs> drainage in containers. Yeah, dra- well, actually we didn't feed your pansies. Yeah, yeah. So there's um there's gonna be this like yesterday. Didn't it feel like spring? That's what I'm saying. It was the prettiest day fever. this year. Yeah, I had a spring fever again. But I've got to learn in the mid south. It's like this: spring fever, winter. Oh, yeah. Spring mm-hmm. fever, winter. <laughs> I'm ready to plant winter. You know, if we get four or five days in a row, I like to move my house plants. I've got them on mm. rolling racks this year, so I can just move them out of the garage, yeah. put them on the driveway. But, you know, it's been getting so cold at night that, you know, get 60 during the day and then mm-hmm. 20 at night. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's yeah. just not worth the trouble. Oh, and see, it is a great idea to take your house plants out, even in the winter, because like we were saying, we have spring in the winter. Weather permitting. Yeah, right. And don't put them out in full sun. We did for the morning time because we're the some of them that were in the dark for five days. We did take them outside in the morning. They were getting some sun, and then we moved in into the shade because you know it's just you can't help it. They grow better. You can't help it. They grow better <laughs> outside, and they last fine inside. But if you ever need to kind of get them to fluff out, you know they want to come outside. They can grow quicker. And all that. Yeah, so, so quickly, uh, off the top of your head, how many plants naturally grow in a house? 
None. Oh, Zane, let me, exactly. I wanted to answer that. <laughs> None. <laughs> but I mean, actually but like, grow, yeah. But but I and I agree with y'all. I mean, there are house plants that are in people's houses that have never ever left the spot that it's in when you see it right now. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. never left that or corner turned. of the living room or never turned or anything turned. or never been washed off the foliage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, it's got a quarter inch of dust and dirt on it and you wonder how this thing is even still alive. But you're right. I mean, a lot of people do take them outside in the spring, wash them down really good, clean them up, uh, let them flush out, back out, and then you can always bring them back in. You don't have to do that, but if that's the look you're looking for, it's a great thing to do. But like you just said, Vade and Jim, if you do it this time of year, you better watch the weather and see what it's going to do that night. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, when I'm ordering houseplants, we're actually trying to strategically get them in those four or five days that it's going to be warmer. We got some in that I think it was the wind chill was 25. And so we put them in the other building where we could get the truck right up to the door. Mm. They're all wrapped and in boxes as well, but we just didn't want to walk them so far. No, a lot of these houseplants that we enjoy, they they are actually a tropical plant Mm -hmm. for the most part. They're coming usually from somewhere down south. Not all of them, but most of them are. And then you get a situation like you had, Miss Vader, where you lose your power for a week. You know, then you're like, really, that could be a concern, a big time mm-hmm. concern. Even people that take healthy houseplants home and they put these things up by a cold, drafty window or a big French door, you know, that yeah. stays really cold there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times these plants suffer because of that. It's not really the plant. It's just where yeah. you have it situated in your house. Well, I did some experiments, too, with the plants inside. Uh, for instance, I had a, a monstera that a leaf came off, big leaf, like a foot, yeah. possibly. And so we'll take the cuttings or leaves that stems and all that that fall off. Or we run into them and rip them off and put them in bottles and they just look real decorative. So this Monstera I put in the windowsill, turned it flat, and it's up against the cold winter window just sitting there. Yeah. And so it didn't have a problem so far. So let's see. Um, then I had some plants by one of the doors had a big gap that I didn't close that gap off so and i cold really air was coming through yeah, the gap right to the plants i wasn't trying to experiment with that yeah <laughs> but the ficus the fiddly fig it didn't care at all mm-hmm. the most pickiest plants they didn't care but things like the dumb cane the diffenbachia yeah they didn't mm-hmm. really like the coldness it's pretty crazy i'm mm-hmm. telling you i mean it's not one shoe fits all for sure and the amazon plants they didn't really like it either I bet yours is all snuggly at home that it's, you got from look, Yeah, because it's the warmest room in the house, the Lovely. garage. <laughs> well, we've had fun with the first hour. We've got two more to go, so we will see you after this break. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome to Mid-South Gardening. On our break, we were talking about how our phone picks up things that we're saying. So, I was doing a talk to text, but it wasn't working really because sometimes for some reason talk to text doesn't work and my cat was sitting there watching me so I looked over and I asked my cat or I was just caught talking to my cat and I said uh Miss Kitty 
I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't pay attention anymore. Did it pick that up? And so it picked it up and it said, does your cat have dementia? (laughs) (laughs) These smartphones are pretty darn smart, I'm telling you. Yeah, it just, you know, because you can ask a question and it pulls it up. Yeah, does your cat have dementia? Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't even answer it, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. That was hilarious. And it was just a Google search. I was putting a little post here a minute ago on, on our Facebook group and... Somehow I hit the. I never use that button where you talk to it. I'm just not talking to a computer. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it picked up what Kenneth was saying about pansies and started typing it out really fast. And I'm going, oh, no, 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 no. Stop it. <laughs> Good Are Lord. you recording? Yeah. You're doing a talk to text and somebody is walking up. So you discuss with them and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot to hit send. And you hit send and then the people text uh. back and go, you want me to do what? All oh, this technology yeah. is too the much. The best yeah. I'm going to do is say, Alexa, play some Credence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's you'll do that, but you're, you're not going to sit there and, and, and do the voice recognition where you're yeah. no. talking, Jim, and it's typing for you. Or you yeah. can do, Alexa, plant my plants. Yeah. One of these days, <laughs> well, maybe. I was going to say, you know that's going to happen one of these days, and that's not going to be fun yeah. because you're gardening for yourself and how good it feels to you to get the fresh air, to get the exercise. Like we were, like I was reading um, the New Year's Day resolutions, and it was like eat better yeah. or eat healthier, get more exercise, um, be out in the fresh air, and then... We were thinking, that's so hard to do. But if you're a gardener, you do it every day. And vitamin mm-hmm. D is a good thing. Yeah. Good old sunshine. Oh, and you everybody know. needs that. Yeah. So think about that. I mean, and also I've he- heard people say, I don't want to get out. It's too hard. You know, there's too much for me to do. On a pretty day, I cannot be yeah, inside. Right. I just, I've got to be outside. But if you start small, I mean, you can start with a house plant. And you get started exercising with that plant. And then you add another plant. So you slowly move up with your plants to where you've got more endurance. But even though you don't want to or you think it's too much, just start with the container. So, hey, I'm bench pressing two Dracenas <laughs> yeah, now. Hey. And then the next thing you know, <laughs> you, you've turned your garage, you know, your, your garage into a greenhouse like Jim has yeah. over here, you know. But if you want to give us a call this morning, 260-5926, 260-5926. And we did have someone text in on the uh, Mighty 990 Facebook page. Uh, let's see if I can get to that. It's Audrey Fielding. She said, talk about the camellias, uh, the ones that bloom in February and March. Mm-hmm. Big well, they don't have to be just February and March. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got some starting now if it'll just not get so dang cold. Yeah. Uh, but some of them will bloom, up, bloom on up until early May. So right, know, and yeah. that's the japonicas. If yeah. you had sasanquas, you could have started last September. So if you plant both, you've got September to May blooms. Right. So you know, I've got twenty-five or so varieties between the two, maybe more. Lord. Uh, wow. So I've got some flowers pretty much all winter long, mm-hmm. as long as it gets warm enough and uh, and the frost doesn't get them. But the general rule of thumb is the sasanqua varieties. Usually, the smaller bloom, the smaller leaf, are going to be more of a fall bloomer. Uh huh. But they have more flowers. Right. And then the japonica, to me, the old-fashioned camellia, the bigger bloom, the bigger leaf, are more of your late winter, early spring kind of bloomer. But you said, Jim, they can bloom all the way up until... Yeah, there's so many of them now, like April Promise, April Tryst, that are Mm. beautiful. 
and and they're very cold hardy, so much further north than camellias used to be. Right. Um, and, and I love them. They're absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And one one thing I wrote down, guys, in my notes uh, was camellia tea scale, uh, drench question mark or spray, uh, because a lot of people do have camellias out there, and they'll see where part of the leaf starts to turn yellow. You know, almost like a circle at the on the top of the leaf. And don't really realize until you turn it under, I mean, turn it over and look on the underside of the leaf, and you see all this white tea scale up under there. And they're just sucking all the, the fluid out of that foliage. Uh, so I think people are planting more camellias now than they used yeah. to. I think there are more camellias in the Mid-South right here than there used to be. But I want people to be aware that there is that little scale insect. You know, there's so many different types of scale out there, and there is a scale that loves camellias. Yeah, and you're, you know, it's like euonymus, you're going to get scale every year. Absolutely just bottom you are. line. But yeah. the camellias, it could be a thing, but we don't have to make the decision of not planting because you're spraying, spraying. No. But that is definitely an issue. Yeah. No, it's, I agree. It's not one of those things where if I plant a uh, camellia, I know that I'm going to get scale. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the case. Right, right. You know, and the healthier the tree is, the less likely. And I, I can almost find scale on any camellia, but it's even the best of them. It's almost always just on a couple of the limbs right near the ground where mm-hmm. there's poor air movement. Yeah. That's where you'll see some And that doesn't them. really bother you, does that, it, Jim? It doesn't. Yeah. That's not enough to justify spraying yeah. or, or drenching or any of that. Now, some of mine that are my Sasanquas that are very close to the house and with a fence beside them, right. they'll get it on up head high yeah. if I don't treat those. And I've been drenching those. I do it, and so it's been two years now, and they've been pretty clean. Yeah, and that's what I wrote down, spray or drench. You can do it either way. I mean, if you do have uh, T-scale uh, on your camellias, whether you're using a systemic insecticide, whether you're using some type of an oil spray like the neem oil, or whether you're using the drench, the same drench that we use on crepe myrtles for crepe myrtle bar scale. I kind of like the idea of using the drench in this case because it's mm-hmm. easy. One application is going to last you, what, Jim, the whole growing season? It, at least, like I say, I'm going on two years yeah. now and kept it under control enough that I'm, it doesn't affect the health of the plant. So, And, and, and how often... And when do you feed your camellias? Well, I feed them usually um, when we see new growth starting to pop. In the spring. Yeah. 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 And normally one feeding on those is, is good. Now, I feed my perennials more often, and some of those, they're Around close the camellias, to, yeah. So, yeah, they're probably getting some second feeding also. But uh, deliberately feeding the camellias uh, once in the spring. Like, yeah. Do you know how many I, camellias he has in his landscape? And I have none in 30? Did you say 30? Uh, you know, I'd have to count. I've got 11 <laughs> varieties, 11 different varieties <laughs> of Sasanquas across the front. I know that. But, I, ha- you know, I, I'd have to go count and see how many camellias I've got in the back. It's inside. There's a bunch. I have uh, 40. <laughs> I, got, I have 40 camellias. I have, yeah, at but the they're garden at your center. store. Yeah. <laughs> yes. but I, I, I have three it. brand new ones I mm-hmm. bought that are in the garage, and one of those is in full bloom. Right and now. I yeah. do love yeah. both of them. Is it the them. red one, the, the Professor Sargent? No, this is um, the Spring's Promise. Okay. Beautiful pink with the yellow mm. stamens in the center. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love it. And I do oh, like man. both classifications. I love the Japonicas, and I love the Sasanquas. I love them both. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and you know they both have their their strong points yeah. but it's, it, there again it's just and we bring this up from time to time i just still think it's one of those type of shrubs or one of those classes of shrubs that are in my opinion that are somewhat under planted mm-hmm. well they're <laughs> easier easy enough to plant in any landscape they don't have the root rot problem unless you don't prep your soil they don't have a lot of insect disease problems they really don't. Uh, there's, they plant, they grow in different light conditions as well, although I understand, but I never seem to take that into account. There's certain areas that the camellia likes better, which, um, which one was it? Like being planted on the southeast side. Wait, can you do southeast? You, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you try to keep them out of the full baking afternoon sun. Yeah. Right, and frost morning that is is one of the issues you want to watch. You know, Sasanquas mm-hmm. uh, bloom in the fall when we are likely to have some frost, and Japonicas bloom in the spring when we're likely to have some frost. So, what you don't want is morning sun to hit a flower that's got frost on it and it's showing color yeah that will brown the petals Mm -hmm. and make it look ugly uh so even a deciduous tree usually will keep the ground cool enough that it delays that bud swell later in the season Mm -hmm. um or protects it from frost because if you've ever noticed you don't get frost under a tree even if Mm -hmm. it doesn't have leaves that's true so uh, it, it helps protect those so uh, right, so uh, that that's mostly not for a freeze problem. It's just to preserve have that, bloom. that bud, yeah, yeah. Flower, yeah. and because that's a re- some people are wondering why their camellias are blooming on one. It's the same camellia, but blooming on one side and not blooming on the other side. Well, this was the outside um, part, and and even though it's under shade. Still, the ones that were on the outside didn't bloom, but the insides had like twice the bloom since it couldn't bloom on the other side, it seems. And then we've also (laughs) seen camellias planted up against uh, walls, uh, whether it's a house or a fence, whatever, and people espalier these camellias. Now, it takes Mm -hmm. time. You you know, anytime you espalier anything, you got to be patient, you know. But I mean, I've seen some beautiful camellias that have been espaliered up against Mm -hmm. a wall. Uh, and That's it's good for the zero lot line. Oh, it, and it's a great look, I'm telling you. Uh, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it, it takes time. Camellias, are, in my opinion, are not fast growers. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. No. And that's one of the issues. You know, people want instant uh, results. And camellias are not going to give you that. Yeah. You know, you the Sasanquas are the fastest growing, you know, but even there, you'll get one shoot that may go up two feet, but the rest of the plant's putting on three mm-hmm. or four inches. Yes. Yeah. So, um, they're not the fastest growing. You know, back when it got to minus eight or something here, we lost most all camellias in the town except for those in in the inner city that were surrounded by concrete. Uh, that And even those got burned, but yeah. the root system survived. And people just didn't replant them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Yeah. Because uh, they're, they're expensive as well So at the time, so they didn't want to keep spending the money on something that's going to die. Well, let's go to a break. You, call, you can call us, 260-5926, or post questions on our Facebook Live page. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Beta with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, the third. 
guy. The third. Yeah. Jim Crowder, the third or the, the third, third person, guy? excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Made us just one of the guys. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've always been just one of the guys because being in this industry, it was mostly guys. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, um, and then working with my dad in the yard every Saturday all day, you know, I just learned to work like one of the guys. Love it. But now I'm starting to be a girly girl and not work so hard. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> like it. I kind of like it. Let's go to Vicki. She's from Memphis. And she's got, good morning, Vicki. Hey. Hey, Vicki. Kenneth. Hey, darling. Yeah. Appreciate you hanging on as long as you did. We really appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks for getting to me. Uh, I got a couple of questions. Uh, yeah. I got a, I bought a pretty African violet mm-hmm. and the, uh, Purple blooms is what drawed me to it. You know, the purple blooms with the yellow eye in the mm-hmm. middle. And yes. I like the pretty green, furry-looking uh, <laughs> leaves on it. But my blooms have died back, and I want you guys to tell me, is it anything I could do to get my my plant to bloom again? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and when do I need to transplant it? Because uh, the pot, it's, it's, it's not a large pot at all. It's sort of like a little medium pot that uh, it came in. And I'm just wondering, um, is it uh, root-bound, mm-hmm. the reason that it's not blooming? Right. And my last question is about that dimension stuff that you put in your flower bed. Believe it or not, I got some bro- broadleaf weeds oh, yeah. in my oh, believe bed it. already. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. And, uh, <clears throat> I want you to tell me... Uh, when is a good time to start putting that dimension gotcha. down to kill back those weeds? Yeah. Okay. And I will hang up to listen to All right, you. All right. Vicky, thank, thank you, dear. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Well, in the African violets, after they bloom, they rest and then bloom again. Uh, you don't have to bump them up really ever. Right. My grandmother always kept my aunt sister, I mean, always kept them in the same container yeah. in the windowsill with uh, light fertilizer most of the time so they could bloom, rest, bloom. But yeah, she always like, watered from the bottom. I mean, it really helped. The reason why you water from the bottom is so you don't get the fuzzy leaves with fungus from the water hitting the top. Right. Now, what about, they don't rest as long as, say, an orchid does, do right. they? No. No. But no. the key to bringing them back in bloom is very bright light. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were not, if you just keep them in, the, in a typical low-light situation... They'll be nice little houseplants, but they probably won't bloom again. Yeah, and that's what Aunt Sister did, was they were in the window. Right. Sun didn't hit the window, but it created bright light. Because you could, they would fry real easy, too. Now, how long would it take, you think, Jim, or Veda, in the, in the really good conditions? Mm-hmm. Good, bright light, not full sun, you know, but yeah. good light. You're watering the way you should water. You're not keeping them too wet. Uh, you're feeding them, you know, with the good African violet uh, plant food. I mean, is it three months between bloom, or is no. it not even that long? Yeah, I would say six weeks or so. See, that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I could do that. Right, right. You know? I could do that, too. And that's why, to me, some plants, and even though I love orchids, you know, and I've told you all the story. My wife had an orchid last year, and the thing bloomed for four and a half to five I months. do, yes. Um, but... You know, once it's bloomed, I don't want to wait another year mm-hmm. for this plant to bloom well, again. It's only six months or so, really. Well, even that long. You know, yeah. I'm so, you know, yeah. anyway. Then you but, get tired of Well, orchids are it. just not particularly attractive when they're not in bloom. That's mm-hmm. one of the main things. Exactly. However, yeah. if you planted it with something, the foliage would be really pretty as yeah. a texture. Right. Mix, mix something in it in with it. But, yeah. you know, d- putting little um, bromeliads with it yeah. at the mm-hmm. base of it, you yeah. know, your telangias, yeah. 
those will give it some character, uh, make it look a little better. But, you know, even with the African violet, if you buy one that's in bloom and put it into a really good location it likes, it's going to continue to bloom for three or four months. So, I mean, if it just within a few weeks goes out of bloom, that tells you right there you don't have enough light. Okay. You need to get it bumped up, get it into really bright light, and then it will be in bloom more than it won't be in bloom. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I guess the key, like you said, is good bright light. Right. And then as far as the dimension that she was talking about, it's a product called High Yield Weed and Grass Stopper. It contains a product called Dimension. Dimension is a granulated pre-emergent, and Vicky knows this, but... What it does when you apply it either to your lawn or to your beds, you can put it in, in either, in this case, you can use it in both places, the same pre-emergent. And that's what I love about it, is it will prevent weed seed from germinating. So in Vicky's case, if she already has weeds coming up in the bed, the first thing she wants to do is get rid of those weeds because it will not control any weed that's already come up for the most part, okay? So go ahead and just get hand pull, spot treat. You want to get rid of those weeds first and then come back and apply the pre-emergent and come back and water it in. And what it will do, it will form kind of a chemical barrier right there at ground level and it will prevent most weed seeds from coming up. And it will last for about 90 to 120 days after you put it down. We would say 90 if it rained a lot, 120 yeah. if we were average. Yeah, rain. but 90, you know, average is 90, mm-hmm. 90 days because we typically right. get a good bit of rain here in the spring. So, so looking at four times a year. Yeah, exactly. So put it down now, come back in about uh, three months, apply it again, three months, apply it again. And that will control most of your weed seeds. But like I said, it will not, Vicky, control anything already up and growing. Go ahead, Jim. And... Right now is an excellent time to put it down because we've got about 30 days or so of cold temperature before the spring germinating weeds start. Yes. Things like crabgrass. Okay. So now is a good time to get it down, get that covered, and then you'll be protected at least up through May. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but what a lot of people would do, though, they don't understand it. They'll go out there and apply that dimension Let's say if you put it out today, which is fine. You can put it out today. And then they'll go out there and start pulling all the weeds up out of the bed. That's not really the way you want to do it because mm-hmm. every time you pull a weed out of that bed, you're creating a hole in the barrier. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you want to get the bed cleaned first and then come back and apply that pre Or if it's my case or a lot of people's case, you need to get that pre-emergent out to stop the other weeds that are coming up. The weed seed, yeah. But I don't have enough time to pull the weeds right. out. So you can still at least conquer some of the weeds instead of not at all because you can't pull the well, weeds out. Well, in the other way, if you don't want to go out there and hand pull them, you can surely apply the pre-emergent, like you're mm-hmm. saying, Veda, uh, to keep the weed seed from coming up later on, and then go out there and just selectively spot treat each weed with right. something, you know, like Finale or Roundup or some type of a non-selective herbicide. So you can do it either way. But now is the time, like Jim said, to start getting these pre-emergents down, whether it's in your lawn or your bed. And you can throw it right over the top of your mulch, you know, if you don't have weeds. Just put it right over top of the mulch and water it in. Yeah, it's, because your weeds are actually going to grow out of the mulch instead of under the yeah, it's ground. Gonna, it's yeah. going to get to the ground anyway and form mm-hmm. a barrier there. So, the you know, but... One of the things about weeds is some weeds need to be covered to germinate. Right. Um, they, they just won't come up if there's no sunlight hitting them. But some weeds, 
don't need that cover. They'll come up in just sunlight. So, I mean, that's why so many people blame the the mulch companies for nutgrass mm-hmm. because you know the nutgrass seed just lays there on top in the sunlight yeah. and it you know and waits for something to cover it. And when it does, then it comes up. You know, it didn't come in with the the mulch. It was already there waiting for the mulch. But they always say it was the mulch. Yep. I can hear uh, folks calling in and saying uh, everything was fine until they mulched my yard and Uh, had lots and lots of weeds. So anyway, the important thing is get it down. And then Mm -hmm. come back in about three months. Mark it on your calendar and reapply it. And like you said, Jim, you like to do it like every three months through the year. Yeah, you've got got late germinating uh, weeds like uh, goosegrass doesn't come up till late in the season. So you want to make sure you get through till September or so because the September one's going to stop what she's seeing in her garden right they now. I got you. You know, mm-hmm. crap, uh, the chickweed, the henbit, the poana, the, those kind of poana, things. Poana, all those, those, it will stop those. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll finish talking about things that bloom inside. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Okay, we were talking about the African violets, which bloom inside, and they bloom a long time when you start getting them to bloom. Well, another thing that's really beautiful are the anthuriums. Mm. And, of course, we have anthuriums for Valentine's Day. They almost have little heart leaves, but those bloom a very long time I mean, inside. They'll, they'll have flowers on them for six months yeah. or more. Yeah. Even the uh, bromeliads, Mm -hmm. they are in bloom. Even if they die, they still look like they're in bloom. Right. Because, you know, they get little pups, and you take the pups off and start them again. But it takes a long time, so bromeliad's good. Of course, we went through the orchids, colanchos. Oh, I love them. And cyclamens, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Now, cyclamens I have more of a problem with. I would say it's not like a good starter plant blooming for indoors. But when they're blooming, though, there's nothing like them. They're so beautiful. But that's one I recommend. After you've enjoyed the blooms, plant it in the garden. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. It's much better than trying to bring it back because they'll go through periods of dormancy. They have to do that. Yeah. They'll Mm -hmm. lose all the leaves, all the flowers. I mean, it'll just look like a pot of dirt. So it's best. just. And think about it, y'all. And to some people, it's hard enough growing a house plant that has nothing but foliage on it. Yeah. Now we've got <coughs> houseplants that bloom, Veda. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're kind of saying. And yeah. those are pretty easy to get to bloom and to keep healthy. Well, like with the colancho, you prune off the blooms and plant it in a container outside. Or right now, keep mm-hmm. it inside. Don't throw it away because it's not blooming. But then you can plant it outside mm-hmm. and it'll bloom again. I got three that are out of bloom, sitting mm-hmm. in pots, waiting. You know, it was table color we bought when we were in the Kroger store. You yeah. Know? And it'll add six or eight weeks of color on your kitchen yeah. table. But yeah, then so, just, you know, hang on to it and plant it in the spring. Right. So it's totally worth it, especially... When the weather's like this. And another thing that was surprising to me uh, was that the jade, well, everything blooms. I know sometime in its life, it's, I guess, everything. Is there anything that doesn't Had the do ability a little to bloom? bloom well, or, ferns and things like well, that that's true. technically don't have a, a bloom. Yeah. But, but, yeah, if it's a, most everything produces some sort of flower or seed. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, when the corn plant <laughs> produces a flower, the aloe vera p- produces a flower, and, and a long time ago, you, I would never think a house plant would bloom, but a jade plant blooms. 
just beautifully. Never seen a J plant. I have blooming. never seen it yeah. in bloom. Never personally. seen the container. I saw it in California where it was yeah. used as hedges. You know. Oh my word. Hip high and just sheared. Well, that's what I'm saying. The house plants that we enjoy today are growing outside somewhere. Mm. You know. It's amazing. I mean, you go down to Key West, you got ficus trees that are 40 foot yeah, tall, you know? Right, right. And then they ask, or the ponytail palm, where the, the base of it is just huge. I mean, 30 feet wide. I would really like to see one of those. So, the biggest thing personally. with house plants then is location, like y'all were talking about a while ago, especially when it comes to something like African violets, or especially ones that bloom. Yeah. You got to have the right location, the right amount of light, okay? Secondly is well-drained soil, you know, Mm -hmm. and thirdly, I've got to say that this goes hand in hand with what I just said is don't overwater. Right. Uh, And the light is important. I I believe I need to put some timers on my light. I mean, on my houseplants, timers on the grow lights that are taking care of my houseplants because our days are short with light. So you can't just keep the grow light going 24-7? I'm I'm too nervous to do that (laughs) because it's in the garden center and there's everywhere. We have lots and lots of light. And then it would be light all night, and that would change its issues too. So if I put it on a timer, it's going to get to have extended light, which they need. And that's our problem in the winter is they just don't have enough light. Even if you had them indoors with a lot of summer light, the light moves and changes, and it's shorter amounts of light. So adding grow lights helps tremendously and then leaving them on longer. And the difference between, say, a grow light and just a regular light, I mean, regular lights help. Yeah. Don't get Better it wrong. Than nothing. Right, yeah, they, yeah. they are. But, you know, the grow lights themselves, just they admit a different color spectrum than mm-hmm. just a regular fluorescent light. It, it relics more of the sun's colors, okay? Yeah. So it is a little better, of course, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, just yeah. having a light on is better than nothing at all. Guess what? There's a red spectrum, a blue spectrum. I just went with the general light uh, because we're putting all kinds of different plants in there. And uh, what? There's one that's supposed to have the blue light or the red light for growing herbs or vegetables inside. I don't recall which. So if you're getting a little, if you're getting a little more detailed, then you may want to get the right light. Now, it, it, would it hurt though to have a grow light on twenty four seven? I mean, depends on the plant. Okay, yeah. if, if it's a photosensitive plant that you know needs to bloom like chrysanthemums or something like that, that blooms on the length of the darkness, then yeah, it's going to mess things up. That's amazing. But yeah. there's some plants that aren't photosensitive. So you could, in theory, grow them under 24-hour light. Yeah. I know a lot of people who grew uh, houseplants under 23 hours. They Lord. would give it one hour yeah, of darkness, right. and then it come back on. I have, in my garage, for supplemental light, I have this uh, stand that has two, uh, like, 5,000-watt yeah. <laughs> um, stadium lights. They're, they're pretty <laughs> they much, like yeah, that, they're, yeah. I mean, they'll blind you by looking at them. Um, but I turn those on in the morning. I turn them off at night, no particular okay. time, Yeah. you know, and, and they're on, you know, at least 12 hours mm-hmm. a day. Okay. And so. well, at the garden center, we try to, I try to keep it a little closer than what it's going to be when people take them home. Because they're not going to run their lights the whole time, all night and all day. So I'm trying to keep it more of what a homeowner would so they don't freak out so much when we take it here to there and that's that's really important you know if you go into a lot of uh, garden centers and they've got you know, well, let's say they've got a, a plant there that's 12.95 that's a big plant you can tell they've grown that thing under sunlight but you mm-hmm. get it that big that quick mm-hmm. okay but if you take one that's been grown under 
house conditions, they're much more expensive because mm-hmm. it takes so much longer right. to get them that way. Yeah. Uh, in like the Kincha palm, mm-hmm. they're terribly slow growing in the, in the first place, but they grow them under low light because they'll tolerate that low light. Uh, and, you know, a, where you can buy a six foot king palm for you know twenty nine ninety nine, you know <laughs> a six foot kinsha palm will cost you one hundred and forty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. this is true. Or there's the uh, ladyfinger palm, that's really expensive because it's very slow growing, but it likes darker areas and it's got different texture, so it's worth paying that for it. And also, these are bigger plants, mm. but you know. These kids are coming in and they're finding the different looking foliage plants and paying big money to have them uh, meld to them. Where mm-hmm. I'm just going, you paid $75 for a little plug. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> but then, but there's so, you know, like for instance, well, I'm trying to find unique plants or different colors. And so Optimera has all kinds of African violets, new ones and all of that. But when you, like you were saying, Jim, I wanted to order uh, the bulk, and they're just picking the colors for you. I don't get to select mm-hmm. what colors. I want. Yeah. yeah, and that's uh, frustrating that way because there's so many unique stuff we're not able to get yet. Well, houseplants are a big thing, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Oh, do we have a question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Russell uh, shot a text to us on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. It's He's just, uh, one of our good members on, on our Facebook group, too. There you go. Nice. John, appreciate it. So uh, he said, do y'all keep a garden journal and or map out your landscape so you know what you planted and where you planted it? Uh, is there a best practice that you recommend? Uh, you know, personally, I don't. I mean, my, my mm-hmm. landscape is somewhat simple. It's not, you know, diverse like Jim's is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever seen the pictures of Jim's front or backyard, he's got stuff, little vignettes planted yeah. all over the place. And I'd forget, you know, if my place was like Jim's, I'd forget all of that stuff mm-hmm. out there. But no, I mean, I know there are a lot of people that do keep journals of what they planted and where. Because the first thing someone's going to ask you if they like a plant, if you got a friend, or they're like, hey, what is that? You know, mm-hmm. the worst thing you can say is, I'm not, I don't know, yeah. you know. Now, do I like a lot of tags out there in my landscape? Mm-hmm. Not per se. All right. and, and, and there are some colorful, well, I say colorful. There are ways that you can identify your plants without making it just in your face, mm-hmm. okay? Um but <laughs> yeah, without having a lot of tags, exactly. Even if you use pretty tags too, if you're planting a lot of things, then it gets too overwhelming with a lot of tags. I had a client that he had always well, been planting his yard for ever, kind of like Jim, <laughs> and uh, he had. Everything they'd ever bought in 30 years. Yeah. And just, you could do a printout. But he put, we put tags on everything. But like Jim said, he does. We put it in the hole or, or behind it. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever see it. And when we first started there, the guys were like, if something had died and they were digging it out, they're going, it's because he's planting his tags. Who plants their tags? And I explained it to them, and it works really well. Yeah, just, that's what I do. Whenever I put something new in on the back side of it, I just take the little plastic tag that came with the just identifier. just kind of stick it down in there. Put it down in there, cover it with soil, and it's there. Is should I need to find out. The original plan was to do that, to keep a journal in case mm-hmm. I moved, so that when, you know, because... 
this time of year, my garden is yeah. pretty barren. But right. there's a lot of stuff that's going to come up. And you up. wouldn't have yeah. been able to find it if it was dormant and you right. moved. But, so. you know, good. You know, plans are great. It's just I never got it done. So I just started putting the, the, the plants in there. And, and I plant a lot of stuff that's borderline that, mm-hmm. you know, I won't. It won't make it a year or two sometimes, just yeah. to see how well it'll grow, see what it yeah. looks like. Yeah, and some things you just buy because you know they're hollyhocks. Well, they reseed and bloom the second year, but you expect that mm-hmm. because then they go away. So hollyhocks can be one that you just expect it just to be a couple of years, and then either replanted. There, there there's even some perennials that. A lot of people are worried because they did something wrong, but they're just over. Yeah. Well, and Columbine is a short-term perennial. Oh, yeah. You know, you get a couple of years out of it. Yeah. Now, it should reseed itself, mm-hmm. and whether or not it comes true or not depends on the variety. But it's, you know, you don't expect it to last more than two years or so. Usually. Well, and the way I look at it is, you know, a lot of people that have landscapes have had, you know, like a landscape architect draw them up for them, Okay. Well, that's kind of like your journal there. I mean, it really mm, is. That's true. Now, that's it, true, but yeah. it's not, you know, it's not listing the things that you go in there and kind of plug in. But um, I'm not really so caught up in, personally, I'm not, because mm-hmm. I guess I would know what it was. But I, there are a lot of people out there that have stuff in oh, their landscape intense, that don't know what it is. Yeah, and they have intense journals, too. So many notes. I journaled, but it was like this, June 12th. Planted in my yard, June fourteenth. Looked at my yard. Yeah. You know, I can't yeah. do that whole journal. You know, that was. So finally, I could quit doing that, the journal, because I just don't have words to put on there. Because I don't want to put everything I did. I don't have time to write all that. I need to go outside and work in my well, yard. Well, it's like John said. Is there a best practice that we recommend? I mean, I don't guess there is, other than like I you, take pictures. That's yeah. the main thing. Is you you know if I something comes up and I'm thinking you know. I see foliage, but what was this? Well, I, you know, I'll yeah. go back and look and see if I've got pictures of that bed and see if I can identify it. Oh, pictures, so our new technology. Constantly uh, take pictures of what's blooming and when, mm-hmm. you know. And now, you know, it when you take a picture, it's got all this information that goes with it in the camera, you know, yeah. where where, uh-huh. where you were gives you your coordinates. Yeah, <laughs> you know, on the truth. Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Yeah. Gives yeah. your latitude and longitude. Day, what time of day you took it, you know. Yeah, it so. does. That, <laughs> Boy, just okay, we gotta run to a break real quick. Give us a call two six oh five nine two six or post on Facebook Live. Good morning, welcome back to Mid South Gardening. One thing I was thinking about is how much our weather changes here. Okay, so February per Yeah, per day. February has always been like the middle of February. We say after Valentine's Day, we would say, this was back when the weather was a little different, but we would say that's when you put your pre-emergence out. You know, that was like a key to certain Mm. things you do because some winters at this point, or we would say when the forsythias bloom, that's that's when it's time. But sometimes forsythias bloom in January. Sometimes they're blooming before February 15th, but they're not blooming now. No. You know, but so that's not really a good indicator for here.
here because I'm not going to wait for them to bloom to put pre-emergent out because I'm going to need it sooner than that. Well, you want to make sure you put your pre-emergent out before the weed seed germinates because that's the whole key behind mm-hmm. a pre-emergent. <laughs> but, but the other angle is, you know, you don't want to put a pre-emergent down. It doesn't hurt to put it down, even today. It's not going to hurt mm-hmm. anything. But you really don't want to put a pre-emergent down prematurely because you're kind of losing some of your coverage on the tail end of the, you know. Yeah. In other words, right. let's say when you put a pre-emergent yeah. down, and that's, you know it's going to last at least three months. And after mm-hmm. three months, you need to do it again, okay? Well, what do weed seeds really have a chance of germinating just yet? Well, if we have weather like mm-hmm. we did yesterday. No, yeah. or all week. But you if know, you're doing yeah. it four times a year. You know, you're exactly. Yeah. You've got the constant barrier down. That's so right. It's just, it's just important you're doing it. Yeah. After, but if you can only do two, it's better. That's than all none. you're going to do too. Then the most important times are mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, going into the crabgrass germinating season, mm-hmm. and the most important time with in the fall would be late September, early October, going so into the fall and winter. The, yeah, right, but here lately, grass. I've seen annual bluegrass in August. That's crazy. You know? Right, because oh so. y'all, yeah, that's the whole thing is weeds are not all sitting, or the weed seeds aren't sitting there waiting to germinate when it's light. Not all of them, because like you said, the crabgrass is going to be later. So when you're putting it down in fall, that's doing nothing for your crabgrass no. coming up. You, you're right. Yes. The same pre-emergent that you put down in the fall is going to be just for the fall and winter weeds that come up. Mm-hmm. Chickweed, henbit, poanta, those kind of things. The same pre-emergent that you put down, let's say this time of year, is more for your spring and summer weeds that come up. Right. But just remember, when you put a pre-emergent down, depending on how heavy you put it down, and it tells you on the back of the bag, it's going to last anywhere from 90 to 120 days. I always just go with the assumption that my pre-emergent is not going to last really a lot more than three months. Not around here anyway with all the rains and everything that we get. So if you want that total coverage, then like Jim and like Vady was saying, about every three months, Mm-hmm. Go back and put that pre-emergent down. It makes a big difference. It does. See, this way you don't have to guess. You don't have to guess, which is one wonderful thing about dimension, and you don't have to worry about it getting in your flower beds. Nope. It's just wonderful. You can apply it everywhere. But there used to be pre-emergents like this one you could never get in your flower bed. And this was strictly it, for the lawn, yeah, you know. Yeah, and they're guessing, <laughs> Which one? And then people are calling going, I got some pellets in my flower bed yeah. and it's just supposed to be for the lawn. And then I'm going, well, what was the flowers? What's yeah. going on? But now, Dimension, that's what makes it so easy. You can apply it to your lawn and your beds. Now, you can't go back and, and put zinnia seeds back in your bed and expect mm-hmm. them to germinate because it's going to keep yeah. all and, seed from coming up. you can't up. use it in vegetable gardens. You that's need right. to, mm-hmm. you know, For vegetable gardens, you, you pretty much are limited to trefflin, which is what's in the green, green right. and that sort of thing. And it does an excellent job on grasses. It really does. Mm-hmm. It's not as good on broadleaf weeds, yeah. but it's you know it's what we have for most broadleaf weeds are easier to get out yeah. too, <laughs> so it's not so intense. Um, also, we I had a client bring in a leaf that was off a Myers lemon tree, and so of course it's inside I and it's lemon. starting to bloom. But the leaf was <clears throat> totally yellow, but then it had more closer to the veins green, green dots. Uh, greens connected and there's all there's a number of issues that it could be but none of them are horrible I mean mm-hmm. it, it could be just not enough light and then nutrient deficiency which mm-hmm. was like manganese yeah or something manganese that Jim was- yeah the gym Jim was coming up with the nutrient deficiency 
So, you know, what I would do would be compost, liquid fertilizer Mm -hmm. uh, to um, move it for more light. But, however, that's just expected indoors for a citrus tree. Well, it's not uncommon for whether it's houseplants, whether it's citrus that we have to bring inside in the wintertime or they won't make it through, you know, the cold weather outside. So we have to bring them in. It's not uncommon to see yellow leaves on those type of plants and have it just fall off but typically when you take it back out in the spring they flush right back out and you can you can learn a lot from where that yellow leaf is you know mm. talking here during the break here if you look at that leaf if it's the oldest leaf way down inside the plant or the very first one on a stem if that came out if it's yellowing and falling off that's almost always a light deficiency it doesn't have enough light to support the plant that old foliage is the least productive because it's shaded by the other leaves so they're the ones that are going to turn yellow and fall off mother nature Mm -hmm. If it's the newest growth that's coming out yellow or it's uniformly yellow, then we have some other issues. And, you know, there are only a couple that it can be. Light water. (laughs) 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 One of them's wrong. (laughs) You're right. So, I mean, you're right. It does make a big difference, whether it's the old foliage where it is or brand new foliage coming out, uh, you know. But it's not uncommon to have some yellow leaves on you know, uh, plants that we bring inside, citrus that we bring inside. Mm -hmm. But you still want to keep them as healthy as you possibly can. Right. So it's not detrimental. It's one of the... And so I would feed it still. I mean, maybe... Can you buy manganese on its own? You can. I guess so Mm -hmm. now, still. But a lot of that manganese would be in... Some but other water-soluble plant yeah. foods, too. Are. Yeah, if, so, if, if you just get an all-purpose fertilizer like mm-hmm. you're talking about. And usually uh, they've got micronutrients of some tor- type added into it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just make sure that you've got something with some manganese, some magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little like bit of iron, maybe a little bit of sulfur. Yeah, be fine. Just, just to make sure that we cover the bases. Up. Yeah, y'all might have citrus tone at Dan West. Yeah. Do you have citrus tone? We don't. We'll be right back. <laughs> The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So now we're practicing self-defense. Jim broke my elbow. No, Not really. He was teaching you how to me. do it. Yeah, he's how teaching to do it. me. Yeah, which is always good to know. But if you want to give us a call this morning, guys, it's easy. 260. Is that right? 260 That's yeah. it. I don't know why I put down. There's uh, so many different numbers that we give out for different occasions that I can't remember what the number is. Uh, one thing that I want to touch base on real quick is I told everybody in the garden center um, not to water the house plants yet because they spent four days in like 45 degree temperature and no light but when it's like that the soil could be cold and the plant could not absorb the water because it just wasn't absorbing or even if there was water in there to absorb but I didn't want them going in water and everything in case it was really wet and we just needed to wait till it warmed Mm -hmm. up for that soil temperature warm up a little bit the reason they're cold is because you lost power for a Mm -hmm. week 
uh, where you have a lot of house plants, and that soil temperature is going to be and they more will, cold than not. They will wilt and mimic the fact you know, you'd think they were dry, but they're mm-hmm. not. No. No. They it got plenty incredible. of soil moisture. They just need a little warm temperature. Yeah, that's a... Uh, uh, that's thank goodness for me. And we did <laughs> have a plants. Um, we had someone text in on the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page, uh, Miss Dale. I uh, said, "Do you have to fertilize pansies to make them bloom? If so, what kind?" Well, it tells me you weren't listening in the first time. Oh, see, there <laughs> you go, go, Dale. Just yeah, like, oh, we really we, we <laughs> did just, talk about we that. Just <laughs> threw her under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but a great question, Dale. You're no, right. Thanks, we did talk Dale. about that because pansies, a lot of them out there right now are looking a little peaked uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, we're right in the middle of winter and, you know, we've had up and down temperatures and we've had up and down moisture. Um, in fact, what brought the conversation on, I was talking to a lady at, at Dan West Garden Center the other day and she had someone starting to clean her pansies up. Dad had them cut all the long stems back, cut off, pull off the little funky brown leaves as best you could clean them up, and then she was going to go back and feed them. Now, as far as feeding them, Dale, it's... What does a funky leaf look like? It's brown and dried up and just kind of crusty looking. All right, want to make sure. Okay. But as far as feeding them, whether you use a liquid plant food, and one of the liquids I like is the Big Bloom mm-hmm. by Fox Farm. Same. Great yeah. product. You can just mix and pour a spray, uh, or a granulated dry product like fertilone bedding plant food. In fact, they used to call that pansy food. That's okay? true. It did, yeah. yeah. Just plain old pansy yeah, food. Yeah, it's got 22% phosphate in it, which it encourages a pansy to bloom. Uh, so fertilone bedding plant food or the Fox Farm Big Bloom, both of those. And, of course, there's lots more that you can use. Yeah. But those would be the two that I'd recommend. And, yes, you can go ahead and start feeding those pansies now. Because, like I said, is if we have three or four or five days like we had yesterday, mm-hmm. you will start getting a lot of pretty bloom out there. True. And we have discussed that the Osmocote isn't the thing to use right now. Only because the soil temperatures are really too cool. Because mm-hmm. Osmocote, believe it or not, is regulated by soil temperature right. and so moisture. isn't it, doesn't have to be 65 or to make like, it. Life start- were to be at over 60. That was yesterday. Yeah. Well, not the soil temperature. Okay. <laughs> the air temperature would have been, but the soil temperature wouldn't have been quite that warm. Um, right. True. True. But, you know, you need the back. Bacteria helps break that polymer coating down around the, the fertilizer itself. So you really need to have consistently warm temperatures. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say typically it starts working here early March, you know, yeah. then you'll start getting some. Yeah. And I love Osmocote. It really doesn't kick in and get, you know, just really work totally probably till late April, early May. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, and growers, a lot of growers use the Osmocote. However, it's controlled environment, so and the temperature is going to be at the proper temperature for it to use slowly. Um, and a lot of people see the osmocote in their plants and think that it's going to work all year, but not and, outdoors. Or, it won't. Yeah, yeah, because and because they say they know growers use it all the time. Yeah, and, and a lot of growers do use a two-year uh, type osmocote. Oh, there are some that last that. up to two years. What we typically see in the retail market is the triple 14, which mm-hmm. is three to four months, right. and then the 18-6-12, I think. Or 19-6-12. Yeah, then, which yeah. is the eight to nine month, you know, but here we don't have eight to nine month of growing season, so, right. you know, it's mm-hmm. probably more like seven here. Yeah, but so. my favorite um, 
it, my favorite ever is plant tone that, or flower tone. There's a garden tone. Those and are any my of those favorite are fine because, around pansies yeah, right now. Because yeah. my type of the choice of fertilizers I want are more natural. So that's my choice, but I'm not saying that Osmocote's wrong. When I first got in the organic gardening community, everybody was, no Osmocote, no Osmocote. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can't say no because it still works. It's well, just to have a different goal um, with them. You know, a lot of people like the convenience of a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And the convenience of using a product like that is it's non-burning. It's very long-lasting. Um, so... You know, that's just why a lot of people use that product. Um, now, Osmocote would not help your plants if you planted in straight peat moss for us, for gardeners, or if you plant in really wet soil, because that's what's causing the issues with the plant beforehand. And then we throw Osmocote on there trying to fix it, but we're forgetting about maybe we should amend the soil a little bit or add some natural fertilizer. Um, well, natural fertilizer doesn't work quickly if it's in poor soil. Because it has to be broken down into synthetic fertilizer. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. true. Believe it or not. I know. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 well, it can, can only be synthetic. It can just be organic. But their organic has has been listed by by the sentence of synthetic as well. And, 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 and also, and they also, hopefully that will help you with your pansies. But and then you mentioned some Espoma products like, you know, plant tone, flower tone, bow tone, you know, all these different tone products. And they're all absolutely wonderful. Uh, bow tone is one that uh, is, it's a, it's kind of like a plant tone, but it's got even more, more microbes yeah. added to it. Um, but the only thing with an organic product like that is when you put an organic product down, like biotone, flower tone, citrus tone, mm-hmm. plant tone, any of those, it takes a, just a minute for the soil to break that product down. And the soil will break it down into a usable fertilizer mm-hmm. that the plant can right. use. Okay, and It doesn't happen overnight, mm-hmm. but that's one of the beauties of it is that's why they're longer lasting and they're completely non-burning. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're constantly doing that, then you constantly have food in the soil because we have to add all the time because it's not in its natural way. See, like a, like you, synthetic and organic, the plant can't tell the difference. But when I'm going organic, I'm going for the soil, like the microorganisms, the plant nutrients, the organic matter. That's my goal in using natural fertilizers, even though they can both they, even though that plant doesn't know if it's synthetic or natural. Well, and, yeah. and also, uh, Jim mentioned a product uh, in the first timer when we were talking about this is, uh, you know, nitrate of soda, which is a mm-hmm. nitrate type of nitrogen. And the beauty of that nitrogen is you got to be a little careful because it is pure nitrogen. But it is it will break down, and it is readily available right now to the plant. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it doesn't, you know, regardless of soil temperatures and all this other stuff, is if it gets watered in, it's going to start working like right now. So you can sprinkle a little bit of like nitrate of soda uh, around these pansy plants also, come back and water it in, and you'll see immediate results. Now, it doesn't last as long as no. some of these organics and osmocotes and everything else we're talking about. But sometimes you're needed it right then. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you're trying trying to make your roses look good in time for the flower show or trying to make your plants exactly. look good for the neighbors that are on the way, you know. And so you're going to need to boost this a little bit. Um, yeah, so organic matter along with other fertilizers are your key. 
uh, and it's just always mixing compost, um, like chicken. We did chicken manure, cow manure. Um, <clears throat> man, one time there was. Oh, I have even seen cricket manure. No, that, you oh, have yeah. not. Yes. Mm. I don't know even what to think about that. I never studied it. Cricket manure. There's just, and I'm thinking well, somebody's you know, just trying to. Well, no, but mm-hmm. you know, where they're raising crickets <clears throat> for bait and that sort of thing, you have what's left, what they oh. leave. And so they harvest that and use mm-hmm. that as it is fertilizer. Yeah. Uh, so that's know. not as weird. It's we no, do that it's with just earthworms. trying to find a market for stuff right. that yeah, that's... they normally would throw away. And remember way back when there was a product on the market here in Memphis, by, and it was started by a Memphian called Zoodoo. Remember Zoodoo. that? Yeah. Yep. And yeah. Zoodoo was a, uh, a combination of composted manures from animals from mm-hmm. the zoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was so I was glad to hear about that. I don't think they do that anymore. I'm but sure they that don't. Was a good, a good option. You know, yeah. it was more of a. I mean, back then it was really more of a novelty type thing. Yeah, because they uh, made the little pellets yeah. that you yeah. could put in your plants, yeah. and then over time it would work down in the soil. I'm going okay. You're going to put zoodoo in your plant, but you're scared scared of earthworm casting yeah. smelling. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and, it's, and it's some work for the zoo because you know there's some there are some regulations where you can't dispose of certain manures. They have to be burned. Yeah. Okay, so it can't be mixed in with say elephant manure which yeah. mm-hmm. you know you might be able to get but you can't get lion manure yeah exactly you know so there's <laughs> uh, there's some work there for yeah. the zoo. so yeah. bizarre so let's just buy some of our organic matter mixed in the soil well in texas they had something called dillo dirt which would be similar to the milorganite it's mm-hmm. the sewer sludge but they call it deer they got it in texas of course but they called it dillo dirt See, <laughs> armadillo dillo dirt so then we come up with uh, milorganite which is similar which has been around that. forever yeah. and it's been tested more than any fertilizer out there on the market but it's not gross y'all it's not gross no it's not yeah no. it's baked like three times at huge high temperatures uh, i mean so there are absolutely no organisms mm-hmm. in it yeah uh and, and it's a good product you can use it and and you'll see people say that it's got heavy metals in it all right here are the facts okay Every fertilizer has heavy metals. Mm. Organic, inorganic, they all got some. Mm-hmm. Okay. If to get to where you would have enough heavy metals from that fertilizer or any fertilizer in your yard, you would have to remove like the top one foot of soil <laughs> and replace it with one foot of milorganite. Okay. To get anywhere near and that's the not amount of happen. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's it's a great fertilizer for everything. Vegetables, yeah. everything. Everything. And we are going to take a break. Call us 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're in our third hour. And if you have been thinking about your questions the whole time, but going, eh, I don't know if I want to call in. Then you don't have to call. You can put it on our Facebook page. Or you can call 260-5926. And then you can go to radio, uh, what, kwamradio.com and stream it live from anywhere in the country. Tell your friends and neighbors that live in Oshkosh that, you know, they have (laughs) an excellent program here they can listen to while they're snowed in. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so <laughs> we're looking at each other. Yeah. Everybody has their mouth open. What are we going to say? Um, okay, this was one thing that was really interesting. It's um, growing hemp because it's got so many more benefits than making clothes out of it. You know, there was a big, big thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it was almost like the, the gold rush, you know, yeah. way back when uh, is, was the hemp growers, uh, you know, three or four, five years ago. Um, and... I, I don't know if that's kind of slowed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has because the new federal regulations have kicked in that yeah. have really made it difficult. Okay. You you know, you got to be in it seriously. Yeah. And yeah. I guess some of the yeah. big boys will be, yeah. you know, or big girls, because whatever. We should um, be planting that everywhere because it absorbs a high amount of CO2. Um, it's uh, It takes down the carbon into the soil it does it makes better photosynthesis and uh, it can be turned into many different products so i guess the reason why we don't use it is because drinking alcohol is better yeah because that's Not. the whole thing when beforehand there were people were doing the hemp and the uh prohibition you know with the liquor well, everybody has their money in the liquor mm. so they're going to outlaw the uh the THC and the hemp, they're going to outlaw that because it's not beneficial to people's money-making process back then. But in, when in reality, the drinking causes way many more issues than the other. So, so therefore, we can't plant the hemp. That it's good for soil erosion. It's good for you know well, bringing the CO2. There's a difference though in, in hemp and in the, and his, pot. His, yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the thing. You know, everybody was yeah. is hoping that nationwide, uh, ultimately, there's going to be recreational marijuana available you know i'm not it's not probably going to happen in my lifetime uh in the south um in the we south, still have some common real. sense here mississippi right. though um, you know. but you know some places it may now uh, why is that common sense not to have natural herbs in the south there's nothing natural about it about thc and yeah. hemp mm-hmm. here we go again I know. <laughs> Here but we go I'm again. Not, what did they do? <laughs> inject each plant with the THC. But I'm gonna tell you though. <laughs> I mean, it was a big deal uh, when it, you know, not long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was talking to some uh, some people that were on the supplier side of, uh, you know, they would send actually 18 wheelers to these growers of just potting medium mm-hmm. uh, and all the stuff that goes with it. And I was thinking, my God, this is gonna be the biggest crop, you know, there is out there. And then, like you said, Jim, uh, they started doing some regulations mm-hmm. uh, from the federal uh, part mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah, because it's that taking money out of their pockets. Of yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's now it's in all the grower magazines. I see it in the retail magazines. There, there's special uh, departments in, or not departments, but now, like in the places we buy our, our chemicals, fertilizer for wholesale, you know, that we bought for retail. Now there's a whole department of information and everything thing on how to to grow all this because it's it's a, just another plant yeah but you know? i mean they, but you had to get a special license to grow it and i mean it was a you know it it was a big deal but i'm telling you oh you're supposed to get a license for that <laughs> <laughs> i know so many people that don't have license for that yeah i mean i guess to grow, <laughs> I it, have on seen, a, uh, to grow it on a large scale i yeah. have i have in a, at a midtown home in memphis i won't say where 
uh, it, it was the high THC stuff was growing as a hedge <laughs> alongside the driveway. <laughs> there were about 40 plants, and they were sheared very short, about 12 inches tall. Mm-hmm. And um, you would not have known from a distance that they weren't a boxwood hedge or whatever. Yeah, it looked like just looked like perfectly healthy Vitex uh-huh. out yeah, there, right? Yeah, I was right? going to say, yeah. they look like Chase Vitex. Yeah. And people used to bring leaves in and go, my neighbor's growing marijuana. No, it's a Vitex, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Back to I was saying that the hemp is like environmentally good, it's, you know, for our um, world. I mean, we're saying plant more trees, you know, we're also planting more things that besides a tree. Remember when cigarettes started getting advertised? They were mm-hmm. good for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then yeah. they wouldn't tell you they and weren't then they forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the same thing's happening with hemp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see where yeah. all this goes. Mm-hmm. Another thing, guys, that we need to be on the lookout for coming up this spring uh, and are going to be grubs. I wrote it down because grubs can be a problem, uh, in my opinion, for my two reasons. I, won't, I don't want grubs. One is if you have an abundance of grubs, you're probably going to have an abundance of moles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and moles love to eat grubs. So the higher the population of grubs you have in your lawn, you're probably going to get a mole, and I just would rather not. The second is grubs can be, when they're in the larva stage anyway, they can be uh, detrimental to your lawn. They can actually start eating the roots off of your lawn, okay? And with the Japanese beetles, and we've talked about this before, you know, we've always had the old June bug, you know, uh, and, and, of course, they come from a grub. Now we've got millions and millions and millions of Japanese beetles out there flying around that we didn't used to have, and they come from a grub. So by default, we've got more grubs out there than we ever have. So keep in mind, guys, there is a 24-hour grub control you know, that you can buy, usually in a bag. You put it out, and you come back and water the product in. Now, most people will wait until the soil temperatures start to warm up before they'll start using these grub killers. Because the grub killers, I mean, the grubs are going to be closer to the surface of the soil. Mm-hmm. And they're actually easier to kill. So let's mm-hmm. say starting sometime in, you know, March or even April, okay? You can go out there and put the 24-hour grub, uh, grub control down. But there's also another product called uh, grub-free zone, okay? It's got mm-hmm. a completely different active ingredient. In fact, the uh, ingredient, let's say, in the 24-hour grub control is Dialox, okay? The ingredient in the grub-free zone is the imidacloroprid. Now, the difference between the two is you put the 24-hour grub control down in the spring, and then you come back in, let's say, you know, late May and put the, uh, the grub-free mm-hmm. zone down. And what that would do, it will keep that generation, that second generation of grubs that we're always going to get from forming. So... I wanted to just to throw that out there because people are butting their heads against the wall trying to figure out ways to get rid of grubs in their lawn. And it's kind of like the old Texas two-step, buddy. You know about that. Mm-hmm. Is putting one product down in the spring that kills the grubs immediately and then putting another product down around sometimes in late May to keep that second generation from ever coming back. And it's really important especially if you want a good-looking lawn and you don't want potentially a lot of freaking moles out there digging up your lawn looking for these grubs. Yeah, you can so thank me secrets. later. And then again, we have a lot, right. Yeah. And then again, there's a lot of uh, people who refer to the fact that that can kill earthworms. But, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice that a little bit 
But they grow back. The earthworms come back quickly, and you don't get them all. You yeah, and all. I did talk to a, a scientific sales rep mm-hmm. uh, about the products that you put down to kill grubs. I was like, okay, what about the earthworms? Because, I, you know, we all knew they would affect the earthworms also. But he said what he said was typically it would kill about 80% of the earthworms. Of course, the moles are eating the earthworms also. But it would kill about 80% of the earthworms. But within a year, that population should be back. So when you apply it again and kill them. Exactly. You know? <laughs> All right, y'all, we're going to take a break. We've got Mr. Paul coming up next. We'll be right back. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Let's go to our lovely, wonderful garden buddy, Mr. Paul. Good morning, Mr. Paul. Good morning, Ben, Veda, uh, uh, Kenneth, and Jim. I had to remember who y'all were. You right just quick. put you put all three of our names in one name. You know, I'm almost you to the point That's where talented. I'm <laughs> almost going to boycott Mr. Paul. It's been too long since I've heard his know, voice, and I, I just almost just want to boycott you, Mr. Paul. Well, we're friends. We contact each other on the on you know oh, y'all Facebook Why don't you all just the rub time. That in too, he Mr. sent Jim. me a huge portrait of him the other day. Uh, well, me, me and Paul, uh, Mr. Paul, we just think by we just osmosis to each other. <laughs> Paul, it is so right, good. It is good to hear your voice, buddy. And I, pro- I promise you, I, I miss you every time. Every day, I don't see you. I really do. Well, thank you for that. I miss, I miss talking to y'all uh, every Saturday. But I listen to you. But I, sometimes I just don't call because y'all seem to be covering everything <laughs> real well, and I don't think you need any, you know, cues uh, there to do anything else. And I really think you need to go into politics. It's never too late, Mister Paul. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's too late for this one. I think ain't going. What's going on in your life today, buddy? Well, I was just thinking about the Nashville Lawn and Garden Show is going on this weekend. Vicky Duggins call. I mean, uh, was on Facebook showing some photos, and I remember about twenty years ago, Kay, Bill Farrell, and mm. I think uh, Sandy Tucker and myself went up there and done some uh, free presentations and sold some sedum at that Nashville Lawn and Garden Show. Yeah. And I always think about Miss Gloria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She always goes up there. Yeah. And, and, you know, tells us what's going on. And she couldn't do it this year. And her and Jack would go up there and all the dirt buddies. And it was just a, a lot of fun, you know. And people would actually it even was. call in from Nashville and kind of give us the, right. the heads up, Mr. Paul. But... You know, now, in, in the Nashville Home and Garden Show, I mean, is it turned, is it mostly a garden show, or is it mostly a it's, home show? No, it's a garden show. Now, it's, I, I was surprised the first time we went, whenever we were invited to go up there, because I thought that this early in the year, it right. would be a home show. Right. But it's basically a garden show. Them people do a good job. And then it, and it makes me think of also, Mr. Paul, the times when they do something like in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, right. You know how you, there'd be a caravan from Memphis heading that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and I'm sure there, there still was. is, but uh, I, it's just not the people that I knew, like Mr. Paul and Gloria and Jack and all these other dirt birdies 
uh, dirt buddies. <laughs> dirt birdies. Buddies that would just make those trips. I mean, they'd make that trip every year. I so, guess you were using that as they were flying to Nashville, dirt birds. Yeah, dirt buddies, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I kind of missed that, Mr. Paul. I kind of missed talking to you and, and the other people that used to make that trip and kind of give us the, uh, you know, the down low of what was going on. Right. Well, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, they they do that real early. And the first time I heard about it, uh, I thought it's too early. But yeah. they, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they pulled it together because people have greenhouses yeah. and they can grow their hemp and stuff early, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I loved y'all's conversation a while ago about hemp. I wanted y'all to do a 30-minute segment, nothing but hemp growing because I want to know what's going on out there. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then also, Mr. Paul, think about even the, uh, you know, the spring plant sale, how that was also at one time in our lives, it was early in the year, you know, because well, it, like, it was, you know, because everybody typically would freeze to death when they had the <laughs> spring plant sale. You know, if you didn't have right. an open pit fireplace going, you did freeze to death. So and we did. We did a lot of times out there. We had to start a fire in a barrel outside the bunk mm, in the red barn. I remember yeah. that. That is yeah. crazy. <laughs> I am so glad they've moved it into April this year. Yeah, no doubt. Right. right. Well, Mr. Paul, we love you to death. You know, we miss you. Um, really, we do. Now, and can I ask you a question, Mr. Paul, if you don't mind? Go ahead. I know we all think of you as the sedum guy because you know you you've been around for a long time and you've sown you know sold a lot of different ground covers, including these beautiful sedums. Uh, long time. I know, Mr. Paul, but are you still doing that at all anymore? Uh, I'm watching. I'm just watching it go by, kind of, because yeah. I basically yeah. No, I'm staying in the house. It's too cold out there. I got you. It got to the point where I don't like to admit it, but I can't do it anymore. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. I mean, because it takes a lot of work, and I know you surely didn't mind doing it, but as the older we get, you know, we well, just we kind of lose I'm that. I'm just thinking well, you know, that the older we get, it's not that we can't do it anymore. It's just that we're wanting to change topics in our gardens. You know, we want right. to do more studying. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, no, I know, can tell you, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just the truth. <laughs> oh, well, it's 80% labor and then that 20% of satisfaction when you can show your friends. That's right. Look mm-hmm. at that. Look at that one right there. Yeah, you I know, agree. But you ain't got mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> one thing that's wonderful is how they're building the raised bed boxes where you that can is. stand up and garden or you can go out in your wheelchair and garden. With us in mind. Yep. Yeah. Well, we sure love you to death, Mr. Paul. It's so good to hear your voice. If we can ever do anything in the world for you, uh, be sure to call us and we'll we'll try our best, buddy. We we love you guys and, and Jim, thank you for the garden uh Facebook thing because we really enjoy and it's a lot of great information, good questions, and you always have the right answer. Thank you, sir. I'm I'm glad you're a part of it. Oh, see, somebody else patting him on I the back. I tell you what, nobody, <laughs> nobody has brought more members to the group than Mr. Paul. Uh, I agree. Yes, yep. yes, absolutely. And and I am so thankful for that. Well, he's the legend, so there you go. The legend. All right, Mr. Paul, thank Take care, you my so friend. Thanks, much buddy. for the call. Um, I was looking at, I saw an article that had um, the dark or the black shrubs foliage.
and how you could create a whole garden with different textures of using black foliage. And mm. then you could put, imagine the colors you could put with that, the yellows, the chartreuse greens, um, what, you know, the black could be a nice backdrop, oh, no some dimension. Dimension, yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I have dementia. That's why I couldn't remember the word dimension. Um, so like the, all the elderberries, there's the black elderberries, which are I've seen some so beautiful. Now, do you treat those as pictures. an annual, though, right? Yeah. 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 I, well, I was wondering, you ever seen one here? In pictures. Yeah. Now, I did the... the um, the man that I had that did all the botanical plants and all that that worked in his yard, he had one, and it lasted um, a number of years, but we were never able to get it to what it should look like. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then, of course, it was under a uh, tree that had a bad limb and mm. fell on a broken half, and we were like, forget about it. But I sure wish that that would work. Also, how about the crepe myrtle? That Remember that crepe yeah. myrtle's got the black foliage on oh, yeah. it, and the red blooms are insanely red. So that's another good one that you could use. And, and it does. I mean, the, the leaves are so purple, they almost look black. You're right. Yeah. Right. And, and if you want to bring um, crepe myrtle bark scale to your garden, plant one of them. Yeah, just plant your crepe myrtle. Plant a black leaf one. Yeah. <laughs> but, to, you one, know, it turns yeah. the turns the whole trunk black, so you have a totally black leaf. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we don't want it that way, though. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can use wajilia. There's some new wajilias that have the black foliage. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's a jazz hands, a uh, lower petalum that stays small. There's a dwarf one. It still has burgundy leaves, but they're so dark. Mm -hmm. They're burgundy plum. Mm -hmm. And that would be a pretty one. So you could have, that could be a topic of a and garden. And then there's even a row of like, you know, the dark leafed elephant ears. Oh, yeah. You know? That, yeah. So many of those great. are hardy. Yeah. And so, I mean, but but using that, like you said, as a backdrop and then putting some uh, yellows and chartreuse colors in front of that. I mean, it's going to pop. I'm telling you, it really is. Man, there was another one that I can't even remember the name to. It was really cool, and we don't plant it much, but it would work here really good. So, you know, think about your garden like that. It would be new dimensions. It could even be a specimen plant. So uh, that's just, you know, hummingbird gardens, dark gardens. Incorporating yeah. some of that in your landscape. Yeah, yeah, that would be fantastic. And some people will like it, some people won't, Vader. But also remember when, let's say, uh, you know, like the Florida Sunshine in Nice came out, right? Uh, oh, yes. But it has that, that more of a yellow. It's just the opposite. It has more of a yellow leaf. And we're so, you know, in, in, we've been so regimented as far as if you see a yellow leaf in your landscape there's something wrong yes nutritional defenses yeah so a lot of people just couldn't get their head wrapped around that it's okay to have a shrub that has yellow leaves well i like yellow leaf shrubs i used to be anti-variegated you know, everything same, that's yeah. my okay. point yeah. yes but you know they came out with some and there are some now some uh, very attractive yellow leaf shrubs that i like but that one i'm having i'm one i can't get my head around it that's the reason oh. I brought it up. It just doesn't look healthy to me. <laughs> now, it may grow great. It may uh -huh. do wonderfully here. I have not planted one because I don't like it. Uh, that's that's why I brought I it up. I love, love, love them, but I haven't grown it in a landscape. I love them for container plants. Well, it, but that's my whole point, though. Whether it's variegation, whether it's like Lorpedlum that has the purple, burgundy, mm -hmm. you know, type foliage on it, whether it's, uh, you know, some of the chartreuse-leaved plants unless it's just a green plant for some reason we we almost have to make ourselves 
plant something that's just not green. Yeah. You know? Now, I have a, I have a yellow-leaf Japanese maple that I love. Mm-hmm. It's spectacular in the spring when that foliage comes out. But it's a different yellow. Yes, I'm with you. It doesn't look anemic, in other words. It's not a butter yellow. Yeah. Um, I've seen Burford hollies that were planted, you know, with post-hole syndrome, you know, Uh at a new house when they just barely dug a hole big enough to get Uh it in. And five years later, it's the same color as a yellow anna. Yes. And And so then you're comparing. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Right. Because in Texas, everything had an iron deficiency. So I was so accustomed, and as soon as you saw that iron deficiency, you did something. Well, but it. But when I moved here back to Memphis, I was looking at things as iron deficiencies. Right. When it was really just the natural yellow foliage of the plant. Well, but we've all heard people to have a diverse landscape. You know, you do work with textures. You know, different mm-hmm. textured leaves. Okay. But then color, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up. Even the dark, deep purple or blackish-looking foliage, um, there are places for stuff like that in the landscape, Mm -hmm. just like there are some of the yellow ones that, I'm like you, Jim, every time I look at it, I think it's anemic. All right, y'all just hang on for a little bit more gardening, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Cannot believe our three hours are almost over, but if you want to catch more, it's our podcast. You can also look on our page, Mid-South Gardening, on Facebook. You can look at us Facebook Live, too. Think of a question during the week, post it on our Facebook group. We, oh, you know, yeah. We'll get an answer. If you want to talk to one of these two, I'll see that it gets to right. Yeah. 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 And, Go ahead. I was say, but why speak to either one of us when, when, when they do have Jim right there? Yeah, you know? right, right. Well, they want to talk to us. <laughs> but I do sneak some answers in over there. You do. And I'm making She's sure that— She's become a valuable uh, asset. I, in fact, did you answer—I I asked you to be an administrator. Yeah, here. I answered that. Okay, yeah. good. Because I got locked out, and I need somebody to help me get back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, one thing I think we're going to have a big-time problem with this spring, <clears throat> and I don't know why, but it seems like I'm seeing— more snails and slugs this early in the year than I should be seeing. Um, on on a nice pretty day, it seems mm-hmm. like made up. And re- case to point, um, I was out there moving a almost like a stepping stone, if you will, in a back bed in my backyard, uh, and I had to move it and then move it back. Well, there were quite a few snails and slugs out there. Well, they were like, oh, thanks, and wake me up. Well, Kenneth. but I, that's <laughs> I, I don't like them. Okay. <laughs> Um, especially if you got hostas around, you know what they do to hostas. So I'm thinking if we do every year, we'll always see snails and we'll always yeah. see slugs every year. And roly polies. Yeah. But if we see an abundance of those, uh, I just wanted to bring up, you know, unlike it was back in the old days when we tried to kill snails and slugs, we were using pellets that were extremely toxic to everything and everybody, birds, dogs, cats on down the line. You had to be really careful using those products to kill the snails and slugs. But now there are products like iron phosphide that's mm-hmm. in Sluggo, Sluggo and mm-hmm. Sluggetta and these new products. <laughs> Sluggetta? Yeah, that are that just one. extremely safe to use. Mm-hmm. Well, Sluggetta was Ortho's product that actually had measurable. Well, not, in it. not Sluggetta, yeah, but Bug-getta uh, Sluggo was, and yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That just came out of your mouth yeah. naturally because it was something for long ago mm-hmm. that we sold all the time. But I just wanted to remind people that. From what I've already seen, I think there's going to be a big problem with snails and slugs. There are products out there I that you don't have to worry about killing everything. I see them every winter. They come out and eat the bird seed. 
Hmm. Never thought of them eating that, but all underneath the bird feeder and sometimes up on the, they'll come out from underneath the deck and climb up into the planter that I've got and eat bird mm-hmm. seed there. So. so they're out there. That's there. hilarious. Yep. Well, so you turn the rock over and found a lot, so I'm sure you got them out. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know, oh, scraped yeah, them out, got rid of them. They're you gone. Can, you can also turn your soil, turn your soil around the hostess, mm. try to expose the slug eggs, and then the birds can come get those. That way the birds can keep their bird seed. Yeah. Because, well, dadgummit, <laughs> the slug eats the bird seed, too. Yeah, yeah. but but iron <laughs> phosphide is a, it is a good product. It's, what's, it's the active in a lot of these newer that have been around on the market now for quite a while. But it's, it's, I just wanted people to remember that there are some slug and snail killers on the market that are not nearly mm-hmm. as toxic as what we used to have to use yeah. by default. Iron phosphide is extremely safe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I do want to say one thing. Those products that had Measurol and some of those, Metaldehyde and some of those, they were toxic to other animals. But when you're talking about lethal dose per gram of body weight, they they would would have to eat a lot of it. So, I mean, under normal circumstances, your pets and stuff would not be uh, in danger. But, you know, there's some products like Measurol I would not have used if I had pets, period. Metaldehyde, I'm a little... Better with yeah, but if you remember Jim, I mean, if you read any label and it said be extremely careful with this product around dogs and cats, that's all people needed to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even that's uh, you know not knowing that right. they had to eat eight pounds of it to yes. hurt them. Mm-hmm. You know that cover what? your butt statement well, that I they wonder, put on all products. Yeah, if our vet veterinarians just don't know that these products because they would they would say you, your dog was poisoned by the carbaryl right. or your dog is poisoned by this and that and this. So I don't know. Well, Carbaryl, you know, used to be seven. You know, mm-hmm. we, we all have grown up and we know have, and have heard of seven, whether it's liquid seven or seven dust. Well, Garden Tech bought the rights of the name seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seven is no longer Carbaryl anymore. Uh, it's a, uh, a newer generation of a man-made pyrethrin. Extremely mm-hmm. safe, extremely great product. So when you're buying Carbaryl or 7 now, mm-hmm. uh, the new 7, uh, it's not the old Carbaryl that it used to be when we were growing up. And I think that's nothing but a good thing, you know, yeah, because these yeah. newer products, I think, Jim, this one might be the Zitto, Saif, yeah, Lurian right. or whatever, um, m- extremely safe to use, not nearly as toxic to bees and all these other uh, type of insects. Um well, this is actually a good time today. Would well, it's going to be getting cold today. Is it it's dropping going still from here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in that sunny day, turn your pots sideways and look under them. Remove the slugs. Um, turn your soil. You could uh, expose the soil or the slug eggs, and the birds could take care of them that way. I uh, look under foliage of plants, and you know, just start going to where slugs hide, and just manually. Yuck. Manually what you, remove them. What if you had like a little propane torch and went out there and just started oh, just nuking those things? Man. I have one of those. So does it work, Jim? It will. It will work. It works I better on not, slugs than it does on weeds. I Love was going to say, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt they would work. But then you can uh, roast them and eat them. Oh, we're not doing that. Remember, no, remember the slug smoothie I used to talk we're about? Not, uh-uh, yeah, we're not going yes, there. I do. Yeah, yeah. and then um, slugs have lips. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. 
I've heard that before. I'm like, slugs don't have lips. It's just something about them I don't like. I'm just telling you. I don't like, oh, that big, huge slug. What the was le- it? Leopard slug. The leopard slug. Never seen one that big. And I put my hand down in a container and to... Is it. Oh, I was like, I don't even want to see what I just touched. I don't want to see. So we took them out, and they were really big and actually fun and cute to watch. It's just not nice to be surprised by them. Well, I mentioned hostas while ago, and people, you know, usually if you've got a hole uh, in your hosta leaf, I mean, nine times out of ten, it is coming from a slug or a snail. I mean, they just love them. Uh, and that's why I just wanted to be sure to because I've seen more at the, at this point than I have in years past. That's why I think we potentially could have a problem. Well, y'all, we're not done. making slugs. Uh, would you call it slug milkshake? Yeah, slug no. smoothies. Slug, okay. I would never. Now, I course, mean, I don't think you there's can such just take a lid and put a little beer in it, and they'll yeah. come out there and drink it and die. Because <laughs> we don't have to worry about beer being toxic. Mm-hmm. Unless, so Tell y'all. A story about the woman dropped a little worm in, in liquor and said and killed the worm and you know. So what does this tell you about this? The husband said, tells me if I drink liquor, I won't have worms. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. My logic, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think back. I read why they put worms in tequila, but anyway, that's for another story, another yeah. day. We're going to have a wonderful week, y'all. Work in your garden and enjoy, and we will see you next weekend. Thanks for tuning in.